This is the G Podcast, where we focus on family, friends, finances, freedom, and our future, and f- everything else. This is the G Podcast, and tonight we got an extra special guest, one and only Ryan, special guest, big cuz, we in the building, we getting right to it. Ryan, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate you uh, spending your evening with me on the, on today. No, no doubt, no doubt. I'm glad to be here, cuz. All righty, so look, I'm going to jump right into this. We'll, we'll get to know you through the story here, through the through the questions, uh, because one thing I do like to ask people who are who are from Durham, just, just for the point of clarity, like, where were you born exactly? I don't even know if I noticed exactly. Like, where were you born? <laughs> Durham County General. Okay. Okay. Durham County General. And I like to ask people, what schools did you go through growing up in Durham? Like if you could just kind of name like from from beginning to where you ended up graduating so we can hear these things. Well, as I've been finding out recently, uh, most black people went to Tyler's Academy. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So uh, that was the preschool. Then I went to Pearson Town Elementary then Lowe's Grove Middle School, and then Jordan, Jordan High School. It's, I've been Durham, born and raised. It's, it's been great. It's been great. Hey, man. <laughs> and so, okay, so shout out to those schools. And 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 I want to ask because the what we're going to focus on is like more more so when you left Durham. So I'm curious, where did you meet your wife? So I met her at... Howard. It was uh, in D.C. and it was uh, obviously I went to Hampton. I got to support my alma mater and she went to FAMU mm. and and I went to a basketball game with Hampton Howard basketball game up here in D.C. Um, she was sitting like maybe a few rows below us in the stands and, and I just remember the game. I, we won the game but the Howard fans were doing one of our cheers. I was standing, we were doing the cheers back and you know, she had looked up and, and then she had came up and sat with us. It was me, uh, my boy Reggie. And she was like, you know, what's this whole HU, HU rivalry? Because usually you're not from like regionally in this area, but it doesn't mean anything. And you know, her being from Florida, Hampton Howard was just two HBCUs. So we kind of just talked her through that. And she was there with her, it was her former athletic director who was trying to get a job at Hampton. So he had invited her to come. So that's why she was there. And she had just moved to the area, probably less than 30, 30 days prior. Um, so random basketball yeah. game and... You don't know of her at all at this time at the basketball game. Right, right. Okay. And a game ends. Yeah. <laughs> and so at what point did you start like paying more attention to her than the game? Was you was you was you locked in at halftime? Or was this like a like I I'm curious, like at what point did you really like uh, oh, there's somebody down there that's got my attention because like, what's the distance between where you were and, and where she was at the time? It was uh, two or three rows. So she was, like, literally right there. Mm-hmm. Like, you could, reach, you could reach down and well, probably let like, to lean forward and reach down. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and we, we, over the course of the game, we, we were talking. And we had asked her, me and my friend Reggie, we had asked her, what was she doing that, week, that evening? Because we had 
were meeting up with some other people to go to the movies. We're going to see Pitch Black oh, wow. at City Place Mall. And she gave Reggie the number. She didn't give me the number. Hmm. So, so I didn't have the number. So at that point, I'm like, I ain't going to step on any toes. He got the number, whatever. And nobody else ended up going to the movie. There was some people coming from Baltimore, and they never showed up. Reggie was over at my house, and we were deciding we were going to go down. And Reggie called her, left a message, said they called my house. I didn't have a cell phone at the time. So that's where he was going to be. When she called back, I answered, and, and she's like, well, y'all not going to come down here in the pick? I'm like, we young. We, we drive all over the place. We'll, we'll come get you. So, <laughs> excuse me. So we did. We picked her up. We went to the movies. Me, her, and Reggie, just three of us. I think, so they were talking during the movie. Not much, but I just remember just watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And then and then we went out to IHOP later on. I think we were at IHOP like three something in the morning on Georgia Avenue, and the three of us just you know, chopping it up. And then when we dropped her off in D.C., um, when she got out to walk, so Reggie didn't walk. And it's not a knock on Reggie, yeah. but he, 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 he didn't walk her to the door. So, so I was like, okay, well, I'll at least walk her to the door. Mm-hmm. And I just said, well, you got my number. If you ever want to hang out, whatever, just call me. And, and that was uh, Saturday. Well, now, like Sunday morning now. But um, I had told her, uh, when I got home, there was an ad in Safeway um, grocery paper, and it was like chicken on sale. And so, (laughs) (laughs) this is the truth. (laughs) So, I called up and said, Hey, you want a meal? Chicken's on sale. I'm about to go pick up some chicken. (laughs) If you want a free meal, you know, I will cook dinner and come through. And she she took me up on it, and and I made her that was the first time I cooked for her. We watched Silence of the Lamb because I hadn't seen it. Before, but that was the first time. A little creepy, and, but okay. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know. I hadn't seen it. So. so two 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 things to to point out here because one, if you out there listening, walk her to the door. You gotta walk her to the door. You never know what it might lead to. So don't be lazy, fellas. Walk her to the door. Like <laughs> one, and then two. You said you invited her over to, and cook a meal, offered her a free meal, but you did it in a in a in a way that creative, I would say, right? Right? We didn't yeah. even have to have to go go do nothing crazy, just something thoughtful, right? Like, right? Because I was I was joking. It was a jokingly man. I was like, hey, chicken on sale, so I'm about to go. <laughs> <crazy."> <laughs> Already can see that you're a thoughtful and. Think and you're thinking about like value as well. Those are those are great qualities, right? Like <laughs> smart guy, right? So right. <laughs> so that's correct. So y'all met at a basketball game, and, and from that moment on, you just basically stayed in contact. Yeah, we um. So this so we met February 19, and and I didn't actually have a um, Valentine's date, but I had won the Valentine's dinner to um Outback for my apartment complex. I just told me and my mom real close. I told her, hey, when I come home, we can go to Outback. A belated Valentine. But after that, that night that we had the chicken on sale, <laughs> I called my mom. I was like, "Hey, I know I promised you that Valentine's dinner, but it's all right. I met somebody, and I think I might want to take her out for it's a belated Valentine." And she was like, "Of course." And and we went to Outback, and that that was our first like official date. It was like I think it was it was that Tuesday, so that had been twenty second, February twenty second. We went out on our first date, so it was, it was quick. It was, Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Wow. I'm curious because I, because like, h- how long have you been married at this point? Whew. 
It's 20 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Twenty years! Wow, 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 wow! Yo, that's crazy because so I guess I guess it makes sense because so we'll, we'll be ten years this year and okay. and when you talk about like being married twenty years and this is somebody you randomly met at a basketball game of all places, right? right? I'm curious and I, and I like to I like to ask these questions because I think we or society has overcomplicated what like relationships are and what love is supposed to be. And I just think it's gotten overcomplicated and it's gotten it's it's been it's been falsified in a way like what's presented is not the reality. It's it's been presented mm-hmm. in, a, in a false way. I want to ask for you if you could go back to that time period, what made you pursue the relationship eventually as something more than just a relationship, like where you wanted to make a marriage out of it? Like what were what were some of those initial thoughts just for you personally that you were like, man, this is this is something that I think I want to do. Uh, I had foot surgery. I remember they had I had the foot surgery. The So this is your big toe and it's and it was this bone right here. And they had to cut it open and it got infected during the healing process. And so they had to open it up and I could see the bone when, when I was in the doctor's office and he was tapping on it and you could hear it and like, he's like, you hear that? That's your bone. I'm like, you'll have to tap on my bone. <laughs> so they didn't put you to sleep for this? <laughs> not not the, when they would open it up, the infection part. Ooh. So it was like, I just walked in and like, hey doc, I think something wrong. You know, I put some pain, you know, it smells bad. And, um, <laughs> And and they said yeah, it's, it's infected. And they said don't the best way is just to open up and let it heal. And then you just change the um, bandages daily. But through the insurance, I think it covered like a week. Nurse coming to the house twice a day to change it. And so Toya, after that week, and she was living in D.C. I'm in Germantown, so it's about I don't know 30, 35 minutes maybe without traffic. And she came to my house twice a day to um to change that bandage for me. And how, how long were y'all dating like, at this point? That would have had to have been. That was late summer, so I would say probably about seven, eight months. Okay, I think. Okay. When when she did that, I said, "You found a, a woman that go inside your foot. <laughs> that, that, that's 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 a woman for you." <laughs> oh wow, wow. So so that that's internally that's when I said, "Okay, yeah, she she'll take care of me. She she got my back." Okay, so. word word. So. I'm a, all right. So if I just take a step back, because I've known you essentially all of like my life of having a brain and memory. Right. So I've I, I've seen you always as this uh, like this character who because you do magic tricks and and you're you're very personable and, and like you were always nice to me as an older cousin. So my perception of you growing up was like very much like a cool cousin, you and Sean. Like I would just look at y'all and be like, wow, like I wanna I wanna do what they do, right? I never learned how to do magic, of course, but <laughs> one thing I'll say about you is that I, what I've observed at least is that you seem to always be like relationship oriented from my perspective. Would you agree or disagree with that? I would agree. I grew up relationship oriented as well. I'm curious, like for you, why do you think that is versus being maybe a little bit more free with your choices? Uh, probably my parents. When they're they're hitting this August, they'll be 49 years married. You know, um, so <laughs> 49. Wow. 49. Wow. And it's 
And I only have to tell you, but for the people watching, and you know as well, they're still on their honeymoon. They're still on their first date. <laughs> and you can come over for Thanksgiving and they'll have hickeys. Yeah. On the neck. And you're just like, <laughs> like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but I mean, but that's what I, you know, I grew up with. I grew up with this, like, they were just like the epitome of what you saw in a relationship and what you you wanted for yourself. Growing up, like middle school, high school, it was just icky. It was like, ah, y'all are so annoying. But right. as an adult, you, you definitely appreciate it. You, because that's the example of love. That's the example of always being there for each other. That this foundation in your household just it just overcomes everything. And they always did things like they took care of the community. I know they would bring food to people when it was snowing outside and yeah and stuff. They were just that that that's where I got it from. It was definitely from them. Word. Word. Having, say, an upfront seat to what's going to be over a 50-year union, if there's one or two like major takeaways of seeing something evolve like that over time from the outside, and like you said, as a kid, it's one thing, but now you have a doll, your perspective, you're in your own 20-year marriage. Like, If there's one thing about their marriage that you think really helps sustain something like that over time, what do you think it is personally? Probably uh, making the time out to spend with each other. I don't know if I got the timing exactly right, but it, was, it felt like no matter how busy they were, because my dad at some point working three jobs, mm. and they made it a point at least once a month to they would have a date night. So they would go out, and it could be just going to downtown Durham and just get in the room, mm-hmm. and you know, we would have a babysitter because I know your mom would watch us, and I think that was the key. They always made time for themselves, so no, no matter how busy things got, they they made time, mm. and, and I think that's. That's that's a testimony to, like, never growing old of each other or stale. They they were just they just made time for each other. Now sometimes you know they I feel like they do everything together. They finish each other's sentences. Like I don't want to be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I think that's the biggest attribute. I I feel it's just they they made a the time. They put effort into the sustainment, keeping things fresh, keeping things exciting between the two, the two of them. Word. I ain't gonna lie, like, like you said, till this day, we, I was at, at my uncle's crib a few months back and your parents were there and we were playing cards. And like, like you said, just to this day, the way that they flirt with each other, it it's just great to see, honestly, it is. It does give you something to aspire to, uh, in my opinion. It's it's an inspiring thing to, to see up close. So yeah, shout out to them for sure. So, being relationship oriented, and then and then finding someone who you felt like was was really like someone who you thought would be worth making that sacrifice. Did you have any sort of fears about marriage as a young person, like at that age? Like I'm curious, like did you did you have like any like things you had to overcome personally before you got to that point? For me, a lot of things with me being hearing impaired and wearing a hearing aid for uh, most of my life, that was could I find somebody that appreciate for me, me for me, and not like that I couldn't hear or or that it was just. Oh, well, he can cook, so I know I don't have to worry about <laughs> something like that. But it was just somebody that you know, appreciated me and all my silly quirks, because I know I am crazy. And I and I, I felt I had that. I think that was like, I felt like it was something for me as who I am, not as because I did X, Y, Z or something. But like, oh, he, he brought me this this purse. Like, like, it was definitely nothing materialistic, nothing that just hinged on a specific action. It was just... I felt as a person, she appreciated me. My next question is, 
because like I would say like because you have the parents you have, you have a unique perspective on what a marriage could look like up close in terms of the, the like you said, the closeness of 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 what it could look like over time. Uh, I'm curious. I tell people things do change when you get married. That that is what I would tell people. It's not the same thing as not being right. married. People might think they know what to anticipate upon getting married, but then you get married and you are like, okay, this is marriage. Right. And so just it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for you for you, <clears throat> looking back, right, if you could tell that that younger version of yourself with 20 years of experience, right? If you could tell that younger person who may have thought they knew one or two things, like if you could have gave that person a little game to let them know that <laughs> you're tripping, what what were some of those things that maybe early on you thought would be one way and then you come to find out that, like that's not what marriage really is about at all? Right, because I'm an engineer and I work with stuff that has to be methodical, exact, it was calculated, like stuff could be off by an inch and it could mess things up. So it was not a lot of give in my my mindset like a lot of stuff was either it is or it ain't. And I think that's one piece of advice. Like there can always be some gray area. Like a marriage isn't an engineering solution. Mm. You know, it's, 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 a, it's the relationship is give and take. And even though there's certain things that, that you may like to do, this is a terrible example, but like, you know, leaving the toilet seat up. Mm -hmm. My mindset could be like, well, as much energy as it is for me to put the toilet seat down, I could just close the whole thing and you had to lift lift up the lid. Like like that would be my mindset as a toast like all right, baby, I'll I'll just leave the toilet seat down. <laughs> like that was the that exactness that I would tell my younger self, like you know, everything don't have to be cut and dry. Hmm. That's an interesting that's an interesting way to frame it. You you say but it said your engineer background, things have to be specific. If you could go back, you would say like more gray. Right. Okay. Yeah, you have to treat your marriage like an engineering problem. This emotion, this feeling, this a whole bunch of other stuff. It's not just, oh, you know, what type of cable do I need to get this signal through? Mm. And, and it may just be one type of cable. But in a marriage, it could be different avenues you could take to get across that bridge. And, and that's, that's the different mindset that I would tell myself. Mm. Got it. Got it. Okay. And the same thing with like, like I use that, like my dad being a psychologist, sometimes as a child growing up, you may have wanted a father perspective on something as opposed to maybe getting a psychologist perspective. And, and I get that's your trade. That's something you've been doing for a long, long time. You studied it, trained for it. And it's your natural way to approach a solution. Sometimes you want to be like, I, I just need you to be a dad right now. Mm -hmm. throw, all that, throw all that away. And and that's just a way to, you know, kind of give an analogy and from a father-son perspective, husband-wife perspective. It's, it's because you train a certain way. Everything doesn't need that type mm. of solution. So, so would you say you saw your father in yourself? Or like the way you just linked? No. The way you just not, linked that, like, did you say, like, did you, when you got married, you said, oh, I'm, I'm being like my dad, like, I'm, like, I'm approaching this to like an engineer the way he approaches it like a psychologist or or am I am oh, I no, hearing that she here? she pointed that out. She pointed that out to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, word. So she put the mirror up so you could see more clearly right. there. Okay. Yeah, or she would say, see see now you're acting like Vincent. Vincent and she's not like not dissing my dad, but just I'm just behaving in a certain manner that's more I guess background oriented, more career oriented in terms of solution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so so that's and she puts that to my in the front of me and with that mirror up. I said, okay, all right. Because I know I hated it growing up. So I can see from your perspective that I got it now. 
So, okay. so definitely wasn't a self-reflection. It was it was brought up to me. Okay, word. Okay, hey man, that's why that's why we have partners, man. Because you can't see every right. guy. We got blind spots. You can't see it all. <laughs> and I tell you one thing: you get a good partner. That's one thing they will do. They will let you know all of those blind spots that you don't necessarily see. They will put the flashlight right on there for you. Like <laughs> that is a fact. So, how long were you and Toya married before you had your first child? A little bit over five years. Five years. Oh, that's a nice run. That's a nice run. Yeah, we had different opinions. I wanted, I wanted to have him early and get him out the house. Like I was always thinking about you know, Heathcliff Huxtable, you know, kids always in the house, and you never get any freedom. So I'm like, <laughs> let's let's get him early, and get him out. And I think she was more of the enjoy being married and, and doing things and, and stuff and then have the kids later. And and another part of it, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be like 50 something. My kids are just going to high school and you know, trying to play ball with them and stuff. I want to be able to still hang, you know, and do stuff. So so that was my, my thought process. So get them in and get them out. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, do you think that was the best move? Well, I actually wanted sooner than five. So five was kind of in between. Compromise? It's, it's worked out nice. The Naraya was, let's see, I want to say she was about 12, 11 or 12, where I was trying to show her I was still the man I could outrun her. And <laughs> and she had she had just finished practice, an hour and a half of practice. Yeah, I'm going to show her we're going to run a whole soccer field. And I didn't stretch. Oh, my gosh. And that was bad. That was <laughs> that was bad. And, and I had, like, we were, we were, we were there because, like, maybe four girls and their dads all ran. And, and I want to say about three-fourths of the field, I was still there with her, and she started pulling away. And my brain said, "Don't let her do it. Don't let her do it." And I said, "I got it. I will go." And I pushed it. Oh man. My hamstring. I was on the ground. I was. Whew. Oh was like, my she, goodness. She, she she finished, and then she stopped, and she came back, and like, "Dad, you okay?" Like she was real concerned about me. But <laughs> it was at that point I knew. First time she saw Dad crying <laughs> was on was on the field, <laughs> field holding his hammies. <laughs> <laughs> now, if we had waited a lot longer to have kids, I would have been like, I probably never even had a chance to race it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so I I do appreciate that. You know, I would take her when we play basketball. Like I would pick her up from daycare and you know, take her to where I would hoop with some of the friends and coworkers, and and she would pick Naraya up on her way home from school. So so you know, she got to see me play and and stuff. She got to see the dad was you know somewhat got it, yeah, cool yeah, and stuff, yeah, and so. So, so I, I do appreciate that. So I mean, I don't have any any quarrels about it. I, I think it it worked out okay. So having the first child, what were some of those just immediate adjustments that that if you if you were to go back and change in any way anything to your approach, like what would you have intentionally done that you didn't do? The main thing I would say would try to encourage more more babysitting nights, like how my, how my parents did. You kind of get into that mindset of nobody can watch your baby like you can, and, and it's just a baby, baby. I think that would be like the main thing, just to make sure we still made time for ourselves. Yes, you are caring for this new human being, but um, but you still want to maintain your, your relationship and everything. Were y'all That's, helicopter cops? Like, were y'all, were y'all the helicopter type? Or how, how like... What? Uh, no, um, I want to say, like, if we were on the newlywed game and this was a question, I might would have to say... Sh- if I was trying to get this right, 
I would say she would be more of a helicopter parent than I was at that point. Because, like, I, I did want to you know, let Naraya cry it out and, and cry herself to sleep. And and she she didn't want to do that. But she was still my baby girl. Like, <laughs> like that was like, like, I ain't going to let nothing happen to you type thing. And, like, she, so this might put me in a helicopter category. I remember <laughs> she, uh, she was sick one time and, and she couldn't breathe. And she had to be eight months mm-hmm. or so, eight, nine months. So... But you could tell she was having trouble breathing out of her nose and, and everything. And that little suction ball bulb thing, like it just wasn't working. And But she looked like she was really struggling to breathe. So like without thinking, I just you know, put my mouth over her nose and just... Oh, and just, boy. <laughs> just, just, and, and Tori looking at me like... <laughs> I'm like... My baby can't breathe. I gotta do whatever I gotta do, like you know, a bird or something, like a just <laughs> at, like just pure animal, like instincts kick in, like gotta get it out. That is nuts. right, right. And, and I got it out, and and after it's like, man, that was gross. That was nasty. Sounds but, disgusting. <laughs> oh man, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> You have a sound bite for that. Oh man, yo, pe- oh, you did what? Yeah, that is a wild one, boy. <laughs> oh man, but I mean, when she was breathing immediately after that, I felt like, all right, you know, I did what I had to do, and, and I didn't swallow. You know, I spit it out immediately. Now, case anybody's out there wondering, <laughs> but but I think at that point, I know Toya knew. I, I don't think she had she doubted it before, but I think she knew I would do whatever, you know, take care of our babies. So that that might put me a helicopter. Uh, yeah. I, I... <laughs> Hey man, my my mom. I know my mama loved me, but I don't think she would ever just like mouth to nose get the snot out. Like I have to, I'm gonna have to check and see, like, or like would she be that dedicated? You know what I'm saying? Because that yo, Naraya, she owes you a, a hug right now just for Eve. I don't know. Did she know that you did that? Like, did she? She aware? Yeah, she okay. knows. Oh my god. Yeah, I'll throw it up there every now and then. Yeah, got to for life. I, I saved you. I sucked your snot. For life. <laughs> for life. So Toya said she wouldn't have done it. Nah. You you a good one for that. So so more babysitting nights. So that's that's interesting to hear that you that would be one thing you would have done more of. So is, why do you feel like it was tough to do the babysitting thing? Was it your own like I don't want nobody around my kid. Did you not trust people? Like what what made it difficult in retrospect? I would say more so for oh he said he said your mom would not do it. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree. I would say it would be more, I was more willing to get a babysitter. And then she was more overprotective for, of Naraya than, uh, you know, they're not going to do it like in, you know, in the time where stuff was in the news, or, you know, stuff happening at daycare and, and everything. And she was definitely more overcautious with who we would let watch our kids. This is a reason why I think it isn't like we talk about just family, right? Because like you used to watch me back in the day from time right. to time. Like, so when you have family within a radius, it is more like, all right, we'll drop them off with such and such. Right, right. Like, or, or people just come and say, hey, we, we got, we got Naraya. So right. Y'all go out and right. do something. And, and not having, I guess, my parents, would they be the closest? They would be the closest. Oh, well, no, I had I have cousins in Richmond. She didn't have any family. All her family's in Texas and Florida. Oh, wow. So okay. In, in terms of family, yeah, we didn't have 
like that that next kin family that was here that could just come by. You know, no grandma, no great grandma could come by. So that 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 was something we did not have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that would make a big difference. Just like in in thinking about the one when we well not even say we per se because you were say a generation before, but I think our generations are more relatable in that. Like I was a latchkey kid. I grew up without internet. I remember turning the dials on the TV when you go to the country. You go to Aunt Vita's house, like trying to just watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy all day. Like you know, what it says like when. When when you're growing up in those days, it was like we could just go off and do stuff. Like I remember growing up, I would be in South Square Mall randomly. My mom would have no clue, right? right? I'm just I'm that close. I rolled my bike down there. She didn't know, made it back in time. Like no, because you could just be outside. But today, the idea of just letting your elementary age kid just be outside and you right. don't know what they're doing or when they're coming back is insane. Like right? Wh- why do you personally just think that is from your perspective because it does show a big difference in how say we came up versus how kids are coming up today uh, well definitely the internet and social media tiktok facebook it's almost more important to get likes than it is to go down to the you know, neighborhood court a hoop or whatever and uh and then you mentioned riding your bike it, where the where the homers live that was four streets over mm-hmm. and that was the thing and not that we had a plan i didn't even know if they were home right you just, you just rode up and, and they might be outside playing football, playing road to the bat or something. And for like four, five, six hours, that's that's just all we did. And and they would feed you like like people would feed you. The, the biggest thing you could ask any of the kids, uh, what did Ryan eat all of them? <laughs> it was fish sticks. Did they ever have fish sticks? <laughs> <laughs> you were staring for dinner. You were like, oh, fish sticks. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> That's hilarious. But hold up, y'all. I, you just reminded me of something that I did not really think about before we started this because I more so equated Sean to the twins. Okay. But you knew my stepbrothers before I knew my stepbrothers, which is actually your parents introduced my mom and Pete, right? From what right. I understand, they met through your parents. Right. Why the didn't I think about this? Oh, hold up. So when I'm just so I got to do this to my brother. So going back to those days, like what do what do you you talk about going over to the home is like who was like what age are we talking about? And what was the situation there? Like with Matt, the twins, what age are we talking about? We lived there elementary, middle and half of high school. So in terms of when I started riding my bike up there, it probably in probably middle school when I was starting because it was right on Highway 55 and even though we cut through people's backyards and you can't do that today right you, you definitely can't do that today but it was just that's we knew and my, my parents may say oh, don't go through Miss Johnson's backyard or don't hop her fence and, and stuff but like we would talk to Miss Johnson or, or whoever and and it was just that thing but once you and that's when you didn't have the bike once you had that bike and you could ride that little dirt path next to the highway um, which probably not the safest thing to do, but that's just everything we did. And it's like, because it was them, it was the the Rogers. They lived in the first house on the tree. So their house, their street had the most kids on it. So if there was ever football that needed to be played, it was on that street. And we played in the street. Like I got right. scars on my legs to prove it. <laughs> I done hit, hit the car so many times. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, so yeah, from middle school on on, and I was one year older than Sarah. 
two years older than Matt. Okay. And then and then yeah, the twins were Sean's age. Okay, so you were a little bit older because I ain't gonna lie. At one point, Sean was sleeping at the crib on the couch. Like I was like, Sean, like uh, them them latter years of high school when Sean was in high school and the twins was was about to graduate. Like those years, man, Sean was at the crib eating food all the time. <laughs> Sean had a bottomless pit of a stomach. He just would not stop eating. Like <laughs> I don't know if he's still like that to this day, but man, yo, Sean could just he would not stop eating. I promise you. Yeah, that was it. Was Thanksgiving. Everybody knew you had to get your plate before Sean got there. <laughs> <laughs> you could be talking like we all be like, hold on. <laughs> yo, that is crazy. So, yo, that's yo, that's just a s- small world. I didn't even really piece together. So, hold up, because now I'm even thinking. So, so, so the days that you were watching me you were interacting with people who would then become my siblings and had no clue that that was going to be the case. Right. Yeah. That's wild. Crazy. So, okay. I, that was a little bit of a tangent, but I just didn't really consider that before we started talking until you brought up, like, going over there. So it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, this is mad connected. So, And that was in the days, like you mentioned, the kids of today. So everybody was on 55. Like, that was our crew, like all five little streets. And then across there were Emory Woods, where my parents live now, like that was crew. And he had Century Oaks. Mm-hmm. And if you ever play like basketball, it'd be like neighborhoods against neighborhoods. But you know, the crews or your neighborhood, like you just knew everybody. Like these days, I don't think nobody knows anybody in our neighborhood that's, that's her age. And it just, they just don't go out. You're not outside long enough to even make that connection. Unless like you're on the same bus route or something from school. But in Maryland, or in Montgomery County, if you live less than, I think it's one one or 1.3 miles from your school, you don't ride the bus. Like, they would not send the bus. Oh, wow. Know? So we actually live that close to elementary, middle, and high school. So oh, wow. I have never ridden the bus. So she never got that aspect of seeing where, oh, you, you live over there. You're right down the street from me. So maybe we should go to the pool or do something. And, and she just doesn't have that. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting it, – it, it it is a difference, like it, it, it the differences in, in how it's impacting, like just the, the the way that people interact socially as well. Like how you're pointing out, I don't know, I don't know if it's the the next generation is like more disconnected, but it's like you when you meet them in person, mm-hmm. their in person skills just aren't the same as I think generations past. That there's like everything might be good, and then when you meet in person, you're like. <laughs> Okay. Right. What right. they call yeah. like LOL, yeah. HA, 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 HA. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 No, but I, I do like to think back about like the generations and what the kids are going through today because our parents came from of a generation that was much different than what say we came up in. And and now you as a parent are going through it. You 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 had Naraya five years into your marriage. And and just 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 as a as a pure black story, can we talk about the decision of how you and, and wifey decided to name your kids? Uh, because because my, my wife too is also someone whose parents had similar thoughts of yours in that let's combine our names and see what we can do here. Throw it in a shaker and like ah, let's see what <laughs> what we can get. Can we just talk about like who had that original idea to say, hey, let's combine our names? I actually don't remember. Cause it didn't happen once. 
Like, it wasn't a one-time thing. Like, this is like, oh, we going all in. We are going all in on this one. So it wasn't a, it was not a one-time thing, you know? I mean, you can't do one kid and, and not do the other. Oh, man. But, okay, um, okay. I think it was like, how can you do it and have it you know, masculine or feminine either way? But we, we wanted her to have a nice name. And I don't, I, I know we were just taking the different syllables out. <laughs> and then we were worried about how to spell it. Because we didn't want to do N-A-R-Y-A. And, and then it became, okay, Naraya, Naraya. Okay, Naraya. You got Mariah, Naraya. Okay, we like this. And then later on, we found out it was actually in the Bible. That, um, it's a biblical name, but it's N-E instead of N-A. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's that's cool, too. And it just kind of kind of stuck with Naraya. And then when Torin came along, okay, how do we do this? And that one kind of, because we didn't want it to sound too if you will. Touring, at first we thought it may be hard for some people to, like if he's in class and they call out the name and they may have trouble spelling it mm-hmm. or pronouncing it. And we we're trying to be mindful of that. The best way that we could do it is just like we have T-O instead of nut toy, it's just Toya because that's what I would, what most people call her. And we just started with the T-O and then it was like Torian, no. So, and then you're just kind of looking at it and then when you drop that A, like Torin. Okay, Torin. We'll go with that. And then that's kind of how it fit. Instead of it just being a one middle name like Naraya, Naraya said, oh, I, I want to name I want to name him. And and she came up with Jacob. Like, well, why did you come up with Jacob? She said, well, that's my favorite name from the Bible. Once your kid says that, you, well, we felt you can't just say no. Mm-hmm. So, so Torin actually has three names. Well, Vincent Torin Goldman and then Naraya's Naraya Coral. And I'd always like Coral from, I know she, she doesn't like this story, but this person at school with me in Hampton. We never dated or anything, but I just loved her name, Coral. And and I always say, if I ever have a daughter, I want Coral to be in her name. So so she did allow us to have Coral as the middle name. But I can't do that disclaimer. We've never dated, never did anything. Hey, man, you a smooth <laughs> operator, boy. I don't know how, however you want to word it, whatever, man. I'm not going to say it else, but that's what's hey, man. You a smooth talker, boy. You was able to get that in. He can negotiate for me any day. That's for sure. <laughs> You can negotiate for me. Okay, all right. So I just had to highlight that because black folks can be creative when it comes to names and you definitely are not outside of that bunch. So when, when so how old was Naraya when Torin was born? So she would have been, I'm trying to count like the offset of within that year, but she would have been five or about to be five or maybe it just turned five. So, no, four. So almost like five four. years. So, so you go five years. Just you and wifey, then another five years, just you, wifey, one child, and then go to the next phase. That is that roughly accurate? So actually it's four years. So me and Sean are we're four years apart. Toy and her sister, Tamika, they're two years apart. What I was kinda hoping for was three years apart. So that um, one thing I did miss when Sean he got picked on a lot in school and there was the only time that we were ever in the same school was elementary. So it was never Point where like we were in high school at the same time like i always knew other people that had that big brother so don't mess with him big brother get you and and we never had that we never had the ability to look out for each other and, and that was one thought process i wanted for my kids that if they needed each other you know, they would be there at least for like a year or two so that if the goal had happened the three years they would have been like in high school for at least two of those years together like like maybe a junior no well, it's probably more like senior freshman but almost you no know, junior freshman mm-hmm. time frame 
And that, that's what I was hoping for. We just missed the curve by one. So Noriah being, well, it didn't help that Noriah skipped the year. But that kind of bumped up the, the distance in terms of you know, the time frame. But um, that that's what I wanted. So it's kind of like an average between Toya and Tamika and me and Sean. And I see Sean just joined. Yeah, since he joined, I got to ask, who, like, okay, what, you said he got picked on. Like, what were some of the attributes they was picking on back in the day? Was it because he was tall? What were, like, what? So he didn't get tall until my junior year in college. I just remember they came to pick me up for, it was either Thanksgiving or Christmas, and Sean was taller than me. And I was just like, like, when, when did this happen? And he didn't just get like, you know, an inch taller than me. He was like like half a foot taller than me. So wait, wait, wait. Sean wasn't always tall? Wait, when did uh, he get tall? Say that again? Because I've always known to just think of Sean as like tall. Wait, when did he get tall? No, he, it was my junior year at Hampton. So his junior year in high school. That, that's the year that he just shot over me. So he wasn't tall? Like going I mean, to high school? I mean, I was six three, so I mean, that's still tall. Oh yeah, 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 but, yeah. But yeah, he, but he yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. taller than me. He didn't get six nine until. Got you, know, you, got you, got you. But he just shot up. It was just like overnight. Boom. Okay, right. But I don't because Sean is more introverted than I am. Like I'm mm. more like well, if he knows you, Sean, you know he laughs with you, joke all day. But around people he doesn't know, he's more of an introvert than I am. And I don't know if if. That's the reason. Like, we never really had a big talk. I just remember one time we went to Wheels. Skating, Shout out to Wheels. You know? <laughs> Shout out to Wheels. And I do remember there was this, this kid, he was high. And I don't know why he was messing with Sean. And, and like, you know, everybody knows me as being a super nice, friendly guy. And and most people have never seen me mad. And the ones that have, they know it all when it comes down to my family. I just remember Sean was having trouble picking up skating because he, he kind of came tagged along with me. And I just you know, come home from college, maybe my freshman year. And there's a lot of my friends, we were going to wheels. And I want to say it was Frankie was outside with him. And I just saw him banging on the window. He said, man, you need to hurry up and come outside. And there was this dude. And now Sean is, I would say he's probably like 6'1", but he's young 6'1". Mm-hmm. And, and it was just short little dude. And he was just stepping all up, all in Sean's face. And Sean's just trying to back away, back away. And it's just, just a crowd all around. And today, if that was happening, you'd be like, world star hip hop. Yeah. You know, you know that, that's what you would see. And I tried to break it up. And the guy, you know, he's stepping up to me. He's like, man, I'll take you out too. I'm like, nobody trying to take out anybody out here. You know, we just, what happened? I, and Sean can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was something like he may have accidentally stepped on the his shoes or something and i mean he was just getting irate and everything and then i don't know where it came from but a shot was fired oh and, my goodness and i think it was this girl nicole rose she, so she's somebody i went to high school with she was there and i was able to get sean to her car and i said just take him to where we were going after this and it was waffle house but i didn't want to just say it yeah out loud and i had my truck that doo-doo brown truck yeah and um Frankie or Kurt, one of them, they had my keys. I was like, let's go. I just, I just remember jumping in the bed of the truck and, and they, they took off. I just remember being with this kid. And he was he was a kid. He was a kid. Like, I'm a college student. And this is, had to be like, he was middle school. Well, he was rising in middle school. There was just this rage inside me. Like, if you lay one finger on my brother, I'm going to mess you up. Yeah. Like, that's just this rage that was in me. And and I like, I, I had never really felt that before, but I can just attributed to my family like i'm gonna protect my family to this day it was just that's 
the first time I saw somebody messing with Sean, but I didn't know why. When he went to Jordan, I saw that same kid as a freshman at Jordan. And I was like, oh my goodness, he really here? The oh, same wow. dude? And I think Sean transferred to, no, he was at Hillside. I, I forget the order. I think he, he went to Hillside the first, then transferred to Jordan. Okay, that, that may be right. It's just our social interactions with people were, were different. Mm, mm-hmm. and, and I just wish we were closer in years that I would have been able to be in the same high school with him at the same time. Word, word. No, Not no. saying that he needed me to defend him, but you just got that brother camaraderie just in case. Mm-hmm. And then that's something we didn't have. No, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Yeah, like, yeah, again, you you and Sean, I don't know if it's in retrospect, maybe because y'all were babysitting me. So I, that's maybe that's why I had uh, like more of a like thought and connection with y'all as a whole because I do have memories of being over there young playing board games y'all being like the fun older cousins like it was always something to do at y'all house y'all had all the games right. y'all had and hey shout out to Sean hey Sean show me my first Playboy magazine I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I saw my first Playboy magazine Hey, I'm sorry if 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 your parents see this. I'm just telling everybody. Shout out to you, Sean. It was it was and the twins was there too. So it was with the twins. This is when I didn't know what was going on. And y'all had the Mortal Kombat with the blood. Had the one where you could actually get the bleeding on the on the joint. Like so, I do remember like some younger <laughs> memories of going over y'all crib and seeing things that I just didn't get to see elsewhere. That's only because we we knew how you turn the code off when your parents come in. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. I do remember this. Okay, uh, he's a well tell. So, so okay. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. Okay, all right. So, I wanna start to pivot here a little bit because I wanted to t- discuss a little bit just about like your familial background, what that was like for you in terms of you know, what we discussed and some thoughts in retrospect. But when you had your second child, Torin, and I, we, we. I don't know how to how to get into this without like so so when you had your second child torn I guess my question is at what age did you start to notice that he may be on the spectrum like what at what age did that take place for you It was it was definitely and it's not to be a you know, conspiracy theorist this is just how everything happened you know, with us it was definitely immediately after his 18-month shot for the vaccinations and everything. It was night and day from a, you, know, you take a picture of your child, they bubbling and giggling, and he just wouldn't make eye contact. It was, it was immediate different. Me, growing up as a child who had meningitis, I had meningitis at nine months, but my parents didn't really find out that it affected my hearing until I would say I was about four years old. Mm. So me being somebody who's deaf in one ear and no partial hearing in the other, I'm more sensitive to these symptoms when I'm calling Torin, hey, hey, well, he's not responding. But that's the first thing in my mind. Maybe we can't hear or something. And and as a parent who has that you know, disability, you, you never want that for your child. And I'm like, please don't let him be deaf or even partially deaf. It was hard enough for me. But it was enough to say that we think he's on the spectrum. That was, I guess, like the first symptom. So, so let and, me let me let me ask this before we before we go past that, like just just from your personal lens, like. Honestly, I didn't even know that you had a hearing aid until I was like a teenager, like like older. Like I had no clue that you had a hearing aid or any type of hearing problem at all growing up. I had no clue. Well, because when I was in high school, I didn't wear it. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents know now, He's so like, what? I, I won't. I won't get it. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> you just you just ask me like uh, say it again. Or you just you just walk around smiling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just laugh at everything. That, Ryan, it wasn't funny. <laughs> but I mean, for me, I had gotten picked on so much in middle school. Uh, high school was a new beginning for me, so I actually took it off, put it mm. in the mailbox, and went to school. Mm. So. All four years in high school, I, I didn't wear it, and it was it was a shame thing for me. It was I'm tired of getting picked on. I want to be treated just like the other kids because I can do everything else. I can play basketball, like I could do magic tricks. Like I was still a human being, but everything that people saw was the hearing aid. But I made it a point to sit in the front row of each class. I told my teachers, "Hey, I'm deaf in one ear." I may ask you to repeat something, but it's, I'm not being funny. I, I'm just, I can't hear. And I learned to read lips, mm. which kind of becomes a crutch, like during COVID, where everybody had a mask on. Right. That was hard, even with the hearing aid. Like, it was hard, because I, I was so dependent on reading lips, because so many people mumble or they lower their voice. But mm. if I could still see your lips, I was good to go. It became this thing where I did good. I, I mean, I graduated with 3.8. I took honors, taking calculus and everything. My mom finally found out. Of course, she was heartbroken. And why, why would you, you need this? Like, this is this helps you live. And I was like, well, I got a 3.8. I, I don't need it. I, I can get by. That, that battle kind of became lost because I was showing her I could succeed without it. And then I did my whole freshman year at Hampton without it. Sophomore year, she told me, my mom, she's, she said, hey, they got this new technology at Duke. Will you at least try it? Just just try it. It's smaller. It fits more inside your ear. People can't see it. And and she said it was $2,000. Like, she paid $2,000, you know, mm-hmm. for a hearing aid. And, and I kind of had this re- personal reflection with myself and with God and saying, okay, people wear glasses. They can't see. They wear glasses so they can see. It's no different than me wearing a hearing aid. And if people can accept people wearing glasses, they should be able to accept me wearing a hearing aid. And if they're my true friends, that'd be okay. If they're not, I don't need them anyway. And like that was this mature reflection that I had with myself. And I tell you, when she gave me that hearing aid and I'm sitting in the dorm at Hampton and I heard the air conditioner for the first time, yeah. it was like, hey, what is that? Is that the AC? What? Yeah, yeah. And then it was um, <laughs> like a fly with buzz. Like I had never heard a fly buzz. Oh, wow. Ever wow. My ear. And now that's something for you want to take away but it was just a whole new world had opened up to me that i had just ignored for five years mm. and the difference about hearing so i only wore a hearing aid in my left ear which is the one that i'm partially deaf in mm-hmm. so my right ear if you wear a hearing aid it would just amplify deafness so it wouldn't do anything so amplify a lot deafness of, when people say well why don't you wear a hearing aid in this here and i'm like well i'm deaf it's just going to amplify nothing it's not going to help me and so like once i explain it I'm like oh okay so i'm 74% in this year, this has helped getting me up to 100. But here, like multiplying something by zero, you're still going to get zero. Oh, wow. What a lot of people at, at Hampton didn't realize was I may could hear now, but I don't have perception. You could be yelling at me. I would hear you, but I would not know where you were coming from. Mm. So you would see me just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh-huh. and so a lot of people always thought that, you know, I was ignoring them or making fun of them. Like they were talking to me on my right side and I honestly wouldn't hear them because I'm hearing everything. I can definitely hear it over here. Stuff over here, you got to go around to get over here. So some people thought I was ignoring them and I really wasn't. Yeah. And, and one person even told me, it was in the cafeteria, that because I was a jokester, they said I shouldn't make fun of people hearing impaired 
people by pretending to wear a hearing aid. And I was like, wow, okay. That's that that's what you get sometimes. And learning how to lip read, like I could mute the TV, like my parents would tell me it's time to go to bed, and I could just mute the TV and just read this before closed caption. Oh wow. Uh, and I would just read, I would know the whole conversation. It helped me. And then I was so glad that my mom convinced me to get a hearing aid. So just having that mindset, seeing the way Torin would not react when sounds because now you're worried if he's outside playing and a car is coming, would he hear it? Would he know to get out the way? Mm-hmm. And like that's that's now a fear of mine. We had tested and they said that he had an ear infection. So he had kept getting ear infection. At this point we're like, all right, so maybe it's just the ear infection and he had his adenoids removed and now he's he's doing stuff a little better. But now he's having um sensory issues. So he wouldn't eat solid food. Like he would always have a like a gagging effect. Certain you remember the old school bubble yeah. Well, it's not a bubble bubble, but popper. a vacuum thing. Yeah. Would, yeah. Yeah. That would terrify him. It could be hanging in the toy store on the aisle down at the end of the row, and he would see it and would just freak out. Oh, wow. And, and we could never understand what it was. And, and he could say certain things. Like, it wasn't, he wasn't nonverbal at this point. So his first words were elevator and alligator. It wasn't mommy, daddy. He had bigger syllable words. Uh-huh, <laughs> his first uh-huh. word. And and he was always obsessed, obsessed with the exit signs. So he had to know where the exit signs were. At this point, you're not really thinking on the spectrum, mm-hmm. but you're starting to piece together the sens- sensitivity with the mouth, this bubble popper thing. And I actually used that to my advantage to get him to walk for the first time. He just had this, whatever, this fear of grass. Like he wouldn't, like, he, he would love to go outside and we would sit on this hill and watch the cars go by our neighborhood. And if I would put him down, so he would just crawl, you know, to get back on me. I'm just thinking, oh, he just want to sit on daddy. But then I'm figuring out he doesn't want to be in this grass. But one time I just, I sat him down and I backed up. And he's just like, <sighs> you know, it ran. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in hindsight, I was tra- traumatizing yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Doing what parents do to kids, traumatizing them. <laughs> Doing the best they can, just traumatizing right. the kids. Yeah, yeah, yo. So when you when you piece all that stuff together, I don't remember. If maybe one of the teachers maybe had uh, mentioned in a daycare, but we ended up getting them tested, and and they did confirm that you know, he was autistic. It was kind of weird with the timing with some of the I guess state funded or maybe county funded aid that you get. You kind of have to be diagnosed before the age of two. But the, the one issue. But that is, a lot of people are slow developers, and you never know, especially in the black community. Oh, Bobby's a slow learner. He'll he'll get there. No, don't call him. He'll get there at some point. Mm-hmm. And so, you wouldn't get tested before two. It might be five, six before tested. Right. But now you've missed three years of state-funded aid that you could have gotten. You had it had him had him or her tested early. And for us, the diagnosis was, at first, it was a death sentence to me. Like, I'm speaking more for myself, not for Toya. But hearing that about your child, being a child that was hearing impaired myself, knowing what I went through, at this point, we still don't know that much about autism. Right. Because um, everything that I had grown up with, Rain Man, that's, that's all I knew. Right. About autism. So I'm thinking, is he going to be like Rain Man? Right. You know, and... Um, and it was scary. It, it 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 was scary, and and you start to have self guilt. You think like, is it me? My DNA messed him up, or you think about the time that he rolled off the couch. You know, <laughs> you know he hit his head, and he's like, Dang. you know, did that do it? Like you 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 question every little thing. Did we did we try feeding him too early? It was just I can't even tell you how long it took 
to accept this and to use it as empowerment and move. I, I don't remember that time frame. I remember it being more difficult with him because as we're going through all these testing, we did, uh, what do you call it, like an MRI done and they said there was something a little off with his blood flow and they say okay we gotta do an mra and I'm like oh wait a minute what's the mra and because this stuff you never heard of and, and they want to put some special dye in and and see the actual blood flow as it goes through the head and and what they're hypothesizing i guess maybe whatever this artery is here that maybe something had broke off and it dislodged in in the vein or the artery inside his brain mm. and so he actually has a cerebral artery blockage well they call it occlusion Mm. And but they say all this, and you know, your first thought is he's not getting oxygen to his head. All this more worry, and it becomes well, we don't know how long it's been there because this is his first you know, brain scan. And however, he has these extra little capillaries that have built around. So if you can imagine, you got this road, and you know, a tree falls on it and blocks the road. Some side street through some neighborhoods, and you you take that you know, to get around and get on the other side of the road. That's basically what had happened. Oh wow! So so these capillaries had formed, and we don't know when they did, but but they were there. And and they saying they're actually getting all the oxygen he needs, like through these capillaries. So so they kind of you know give you a sigh of release, but knowing that he's now at a stroke risk, it's just more things that we have to be mindful of. Like we can't let him overheat. I think he can't be on blood thinners when you're reading medicines and stuff. You got to make sure uh, what like aspirin and stuff like he can't take. It's scary. So now you're dealing with autism. Now you got this cerebral artery blockage. You're like, oh. and they have nothing to do with one another. Right, right. Completely separate. And but we're getting them all at the same time. Mm. Like all this, this diagnosis. And, and and now his his speech is regressing. So now he's not talking at all. And he's self injurious. The first time we stayed in the hospital, I think we were I'm trying to remember how that worked out. We were he he hadn't pooped in a while, and they said that he was so backed up, like it was and when. So they said he was constipated, and I'm like, well, why do we got to stay here? It's just constipation, you know, just give him some laxative. And then they made us watch this video about how kids on the spectrum and constipation or gut issues are related. And they said, imagine me and you are talking, and I do have to go to the bathroom, so I will do that after I finish the story. Yeah, we we, 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 we but, can take a 60-second break for, for, <laughs> for our listeners. We can put on some little break music for them. But, but, but I'm, I'm going to finish the story. Right. But, um, but say, you know, we're talking, and, and I have to go do number two. So... I'm going to say, my brain is going to say, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm talking to my cousin right now. So hold that poop. Now, later on, when I get home and come from my own house or, you know, whatever, I was like, all right, I'm going to handle my business. Now, when they related to somebody on the spectrum, they may be in a situation where it's not the right time to go use the bathroom. And they'll, their brain will tell them, okay, hold it. But nothing goes back and tells their brain, hey, you need to release this. Mm. As we're watching this video in the description, okay, that can make sense with a lot of, like, I guess, environment that we've been in with Torin, that he would have not have just gone to use the bathroom. And, and when they when they showed the x-ray, it was just backed up, like, mm. all in his intestines. And that amount of pain, like, he was biting himself till he was bleeding. He was banging his head. Toya had called me because she was driving home with him and said, Torin, like, I thought he was going to put his head through the window. I'm like, like, what do you mean? Like, you can't do that. And I actually witnessed it for the first time. Mm. And driving down a highway at night, seeing your kid banging his head on the side window as if he's trying to put his head through that window is the scariest thing you can ever see. 
Mm. And you're driving, so you can't can't stop them. It, it's it was rough, man. Mm-hmm. It 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 was rough. And and when you because he's nonverbal, he's he's not able to tell you what's wrong. You you want so much to help your child, and then you see like the pain in his eyes, and like, buddy, I'm trying to help you, and you holding him, and and he's like, you know, trying to bite you to get away. But you just know, releasing. like he's not yeah. he's not trying to hurt you. It's just like. Like get off me, get off me! And, yeah. But when we found out about the constipation, it's like that's this pain that's playing up with him. And it, one, he c- can't communicate how, like to us. Two, he's not knowing how to express it. And if he's causing pain somewhere else, that's taking the pain away from here. When we were in the, the hospital and they, they they put the tube in, they were gonna just flush him out. And I tell you, the next probably like two three weeks was just night and day. Like he was just like. The happy, it's almost like if you got a fart and you just like, oh. yeah, you yeah. let one out, you're like, oh, all right, yeah, what are we gonna do now? Like, like that was how he was for like three weeks, and it was just like a whole new kid, and and it just was just so painful to see that the only way that you could help prevent this because constipation was so chronic with him, like he's on Miralax daily to just keep him normal, mm-hmm. and and there's. Uh, we're still now with him being 12. He's he's using the iPad now, so he's able to communicate. So he will tell us, "I need to go to the bathroom." Compresso sticks or whatever. So he he can communicate now. So it's it's getting better now. But prior to that communication, every time he would bite himself or hit his head or do something, it was a guessing game. You didn't know if if he had a headache, if he was had gas. He was just scared. If he like I saw with Noreen one time, she had a a piece of hair that had wrapped around her toe somehow and like like it was like just strangling the toe was actually turning red but i didn't know until you're looking around you're like oh my god this toe toe's turning red and then you take it off and then she stops so that type of pain would, would cause the same reaction in torrent it mm. was just self-injury was a guessing game and that as a parent that that's the most helpless feeling when you you don't know what's causing your child pain anxiety fear whatever to try to help help him in that situation. But going to the doctor or the hospital, staying overnight, I think when we opened up to the Facebook community about our stay and being there, that experience helped me to be open with my experience and let me know that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, not saying that I'm going through it with other people, but other people know my experience. They're more mindful of it. They offer encouraging words. They, they've offered help, advice. It's definitely been a woosah for me. And I see, I don't know if EJ is still watching him having a similar but different journey with, with his child. So he's somebody that, that I could see going through struggles coming up together for a special needs child. And us being able to bounce off, off of each other. And it just, because we, we weren't tight in college, mm-hmm. but we definitely grown tighter in our, our adult life. And it's it's a just a different bond, and you just get a more appreciation when you're out in public. Where normally we like, man, that's a bad kid, you know, he need a whooping or something. Right. And there's been plenty of instances where I know people looked at me and torn that same light, and it would all be because they saw that bubble popper, or it would all be because he had gas, or you know, whatever the situation was. And as long as you could, in that moment, just get him to calm down, like nothing else else mattered. And it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And and I don't want to be all doom and gloom with Torin, because Torin does such amazing things. I mean, he's he's smart. He's he's still in virtual schooling now with the pandemic. He just learned so much better at home. But they were doing stuff like adding 2 plus 3 and 5 plus 7. And while Toya, because you got to wait for each kid to go. 
Toys just started just testing like, hey, let's do 37.68, and and Toy would spit it out that ninety, like 105, and and he would get it right. And Toy's like, Ryan, come here, look at Toy add you know big numbers, like yeah, whatever. And he's like, you look, throw out some numbers, try it, and he would. So type it in on the iPad, and I'm over here going, "Oh snap, <laughs> he's right!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he's he's thoughtful. He's he loved the joke. He 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 does the thing where if you ask him for a hug, he'll come and back into you, and he like that's his hug. He just backs into you and and wants you to just squeeze him. And knowing him and knowing that he's a people, he just loves people. Hmm. And out in public, he may run up on you. <laughs> and a lot of people don't like that. Yeah. And and that's fair. Yeah. But when you try to explain like like it's okay, he's just excited, he loves people, um, he's nonverbal, and they still give you that look and you're like, okay, you, you ain't gotta right. look at me like that. Right. Um but some people, because it's getting more prevalent, um prevalent nowadays that more people oh, you know, I have a nephew or you know, it's okay. Like the more it's definitely becoming more and more accepting uh, in, in our community. So so that's one thing I am appreciative of. All right. So I know you said I got a couple more things I do want to ask, but I know you said you wanted to use the restroom, right? So, I mean, number one, number two. No worries. So look, we'll take a little small break. Let me, let me, let me plug in this music real quick to give people something to listen to so they don't have to go anywhere. But we um, will be back here very shortly and we'll continue this conversation. And, and, and a couple people already commented, man, very much appreciate you being open like, like how you've been. Do you hear that? Yeah, yeah. Fly rate is seven. How you doing out there? All right. You're doing an intermission system check. We'll be back, ladies and gents. All right. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you're staying hydrated from these. Remember, you're high class. You got to realize that you're going to be a hundred Negro. So follow me. Jane, my melody, your company is all I need. Everywhere I go, I keep it roll with me. I 
I be moving slow, but my mind's zipping. This is from the soul, like your mom's kitchen. Now I done felt the pain, cause that thing illegal. Had to get a lawyer, had to pay some people. Had to tell my moms I got caught by the cops. And she helped me out when I needed a lot. Now her boy grown, still smoking on pot. Lived in Amsterdam, got a master's in high. Out in Spiegel Scry, I was puffing that lie. Plotting on a plan and I rose to the top. Now I get the munchies and I eat charcuterie. High class, it ain't nothing new to me. A one, two, one, two. These other daytime foolery. I'm a key smoke. All right, word up. All right, so we we are back. Couple people commenting here before we left. Definitely appreciative of you sharing some of your stories, man. I know before we took a break, you 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 said quite a bit. A couple of things I wanted to to just get you to to elaborate on. You, you well, before you before you go on that, let me address Sheikah real quick. Okay, you mentioned the husband with the hearing loss. Get that hearing aid. These hearing aids. <laughs> Are so amazing. They got Bluetooth in them. You can have a TV going straight to your hearing aid. The Kennedy Center, they have it where they can loop like the audio. Like if you're watching a play Broadway, they can have the audio going straight to your ears. The technology is just crazy. Get get that hearing aid. And most, I think most insurances now take. Oh, uh, most audiology places take insurance now. Definitely. I'm an advocate of this, the new age of hearing aids. It's, it's amazing. Word up. And just on a complete side note, especially if you in the Durham area, North Carolina listening, we got to shout out Old Hillside, man. If y'all don't know about it, we, we it, it, it's at your ABC. They got the, the Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. They also got a straight rye whiskey out there available. Old Hillside, once again, man. Shout out to the home team. If you haven't had it, make sure you go cop that. If you're in North Carolina, get you a bottle or two. Alrighty, so you mentioned the 18th month shot and you seeing an immediate difference. Like, what does that mean, immediate difference exactly? Like, like how would you like? So, so the question is, what do you mean by immediate? How would you describe, say, Torin? At, at that point before the shot, and then you kind of gave uh, your description of how it was after, but how would you describe him before he received that 18th-month-old shot, and what was the quote-unquote immediate time period in which you noticed the difference? So before the shot, he was definitely a bubbly, playful child, like just always into everything, like what you expect from, you know, a happy, giggly baby. And I would say the next day after that shot, it was like he was just very docile, just like, well, one was the no eye contact. Like, you could actually pick him up and he would just avoid your face, like, purposely avoid your face. And you have to, like, you know, hey, I'm looking at you. And he just, and you kind of wonder, like, mm. <laughs> this is my breath. <laughs> and, and, and literally, that was not his his normal disposition prior to right, right. that time period of getting the shot. Right. And, and at one point, it was, Oh, yeah, had maybe thought, well, maybe it's because none of his caretakers at the school, daycare providers, they're all women. And he's like, well, maybe he just, because you're a man, you know, he's just, he's getting more used to women. And then now I'm, I'm even more offended. Like, well, I'm his daddy. You know, he's supposed to, like me. And and I'm going back to how I thought uh, when Naraya was born, I had a beard. It wasn't this thick, but uh, but it was, it was a beard. Mm -hmm. And and I kept it for a good, I'd say, three, three, four months. And then I cut it because I, I would change my face a lot. And when I shaved my beard, she did not let me pick her up. Like she like was crying, and hollering. Dude. Right, 
that that caused me to think, well, maybe this is what Torin was doing, but it just went on way too long. Like he just would not make eye contact with me. Um, his, like I said, the the lack of hearing, uh, which we kind of attributed to the hearing infections, but it was also he would just in a different zone. He he definitely was more to himself. Like he didn't, I guess, would try to be like crawl next to us, or you know, he was just he was just fine sitting in this little corner. It was it was just a complete different child. And, and would you say that your wife would agree with what you're saying now in terms of something did change after he received that shot or do you, or would she say different? Uh, she, she was, she would have said it then too. Like she definitely noticed like the, like if we try to take his picture, he would definitely avoid looking in your direction. But I think as a positive thinking parent, you're thinking, okay, nothing's wrong. He just, he's used to women at the daycare. Like you, you try to make reasons or, or excuses for for what you're seeing and not saying this it's nothing wrong there has to be something else why, why this is happening so I, I would say yeah she she would definitely say like we won't go around and say 18 month shot that's causes autism like we won't say that and it could be a whole bunch of different you know, genetic triggers or something that you know, he had some type of makeup that the shot affected him differently because Naraya got hers at 18 months too and and that is one thing I do mention to some people that if you just think about anything, you're overloading your body with multiple shots at one time. If you have to get them, just stagger them. There's no reason to take all of them at 18 months. You can get one this week, get another one two weeks later, another one, you know, three weeks later or something. And and doctors do allow that. That's I'm not saying it would have made a difference, but if I had a chance to go back and change anything, I, I would do do that differently. Interesting. Interesting in that you would have gotten the shots a bit staggered out over a period of time versus all on one date when they hit their 18 month old mark. Right. Do, do you know what some of those shots are that they administer at 18 months? You might need to ask somebody who's had a child more okay, recently. Okay. Yeah, I, like, I just wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember. But it was yeah, just a routine 18 month old checkup. Yeah. Getting your shot. I think three shots. I think it's like three of them that you get. Okay. Okay. So you also mentioned like given your background of of being hearing impaired, you started to pick up on some things that that you could just tell that were 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 signs or or trick or you know, symptoms or whatever the case might be. Of, of just hearing impairedness. Hearing impairedness. Just that one. I guess you 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 went through the story, but but when when you got the when it got to a point where there was an official diagnosis and you had mentioned how that was like a death sentence in your immediate head, how did you and your wife, like marriages are fragile, very fragile. So just from the outside in, I do respect the team work that I see from you and your wife as it relates to the kids, like very unit driven in my opinion from the outside in but what I'm what I'm curious to hear is how did you two work with each other to process those initial you know, that initial acceptance of, of what it was moving forward well a lot of it is making sure the other person doesn't feel guilty mm. and you're doing that in the same time feeling guilt yourself mm -hmm. so it's like I'm trying to help you not feel guilty while I'm feeling guilty and, and you're trying to do the same for me I can't say what initially triggered the hey it's gonna be all right it was just it was a lot like at the beginning I definitely wasn't sharing anything on Facebook um, one of the biggest 
thing with Pathfinders for Autism. There was a, well, we, they have a infants and toddlers program where you meet other family members who, well, families who had just gotten a diagnosis recently. And it's kind of like a training class that you kind of go through and, and, and we did get a babysitter for that <laughs> to watch the ride. <laughs> but it was but it was like a nightly thing and I think it was for two weeks and you pretty much like you're in class and you're studying different ways to care and knowing that autism, like the whole spectrum is, is broad. Not that I can say, okay, my son has autism. I know exactly what you need. It's, it's never that. So you learn the different aspects of it, of what your child could go through or what to expect what you possibly expect and you're taking notes and you you hear another parent you know they're crying or sharing positive milestone and, and and we do have our milestone they just come a lot later than other people do and but it, the important that we learned from that was no matter when they come they're still important mm-hmm. and you should still celebrate them and you know, my followers on facebook they'll, they'll know I, i'll share something torn did that you know, maybe a five-year-old would do and he's 12, but I'm shouting it to the rooftop like, you know, proud papa. And, um, and that's big because, like, I mean, he has feelings just just like, you know, Naraya does, and, and he knows when we're excited. And he can definitely, I think with him, he can sense our emotions a lot better than other people can. Mm-hmm. So I have to watch out where he could be, like, he likes to sit his um, the glass in the refrigerator door and where the water comes up. And so sometimes he, he he's figured out how to lodge it in there so that he can just let go and and the water fills up. Well, as the water goes up and then it goes on the floor right. and you know I'm like Tor, no, no. And and yes, I'm upset. At that moment I'm upset at this mess that I have to clean up. Right. And and he's not pinpointing that he's not a bad kid. It's just that, you know, he made it he thought he did something ingenious, which he did. Right. But but now daddy's upset. Right. And so it's like you just got to learn those different reactions on how you react to something because you, you may have every right to be upset, but it's just how he's going to react to that upsetness. That's the learning part that you know, we had to develop and bouncing that off of other parents and stuff. That was very helpful. Mm-hmm. I think I think the accepting that everything's going to be all right is ongoing because there's still moments where you say, is he going to ever have, you know, normal life? Will he ever live on his own? Will he have a girlfriend, get married, have kids? You kind of have those depressing thoughts, like, mm-hmm. you know, these, these things may never happen. And then you have, like, that. the other thought was, like, you know, you have a boy and a girl. And, and well, it changes now because you have the hyphenated names and everything when, when our women get married and stuff. And sometimes they keep their name. But then you know, the old traditional, which... Right or wrong, but it's just the way, you know, the thought process was like, okay, you have a boy, he's going to carry on the golden name. And then every so often you think about, well, he may never have kids. Like, does that mean this golden line will end here and stuff? And it won't. The reality of it, it, it will not. It will definitely live through Mariah and it will still live through Torrance. But accepting that sometimes is hard mm-hmm. and, and it still goes on. And it's just still some days where you just, all you do is want your kid to have a normal life. And to a certain point, that that may not happen with Torin, and that's that's a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Like, will he have to live with us for the rest of his life, or I guess the rest of our lives? Not that we want, because we you do what we need to do for your parents, but um, sometimes you just want him to be able to do something mm-hmm. for himself, and and it's that that's tough. So, as far as of accepting it, it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's it's ongoing, and. And I definitely have uh, Pathfinders for Autism, their organization 
pretty much based here in Maryland, but they were there early on and they offer free stuff like autism night out at the aquarium, the Baltimore Orioles game. They do food night where just kids, families on the spectrum. And it lets you just get out in the community and do quote unquote normal things. So they have been very instrumental in my, I guess, beginning. Because kind of like when I first was able to open up to Facebook and people encouraged me, you know, share your story. I'm learning from you. I never looked at it this way. and you know, never thought about that. But we're here for you. So I have that and I have Pathfinders. And, and I remember when I used to do Girl Scouts, that was like every Thursday night thing. I would go down to Discovery Channel where she worked and that's where Torrance Daycare was. And I would pick him up. I hated to drive because I had to go. I work like six miles from home. So now I got to go all the way down into almost D.C. and come back during traffic. But the idea with this Thursday was, okay, the girls are going to do their thing. It's fellas night. It's going to be me and you. And the thing that he likes, because he's eating food now. I would say he's probably like four. So mac and cheese and bacon. Different combo, but it's just like a plate of bacon, a bowl of mac and cheese. Like that was his dinner. And that's what he got excited about at IHOP. So, <laughs> and I was like, we will go to IHOP. And we, that's what we're going to do because it's fellas. Yeah. We're going to ball out. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to be mindful because I know it's kind of harder for him to sit and wait mm-hmm. if there's nothing to do. I'm calling IHOP on the way. I say, hey, you know, I come there every Thursday, <laughs> me and my son, and he's on the spectrum. I'm just trying to be mindful because he gets anxious when he has to wait, but I would like to order mac and cheese and bacon. We'll be there in about 15 minutes. And, and they said, we can't do that. And I was like, confused. I was like, I, I, I'm there every Thursday. And unless you're new, you, you have to have seen me there. And I mentioned, well, what about like like when people order to go? They say, well, they're taking it. Like, well, can't you just do that and I just eat it there while I order my food? And, and like, no. And then let me speak to a manager. And they they said they couldn't do it. So That this sounds point, insane. That's so silly. It, it, it was insane. It was very insane. And But I can't not go because he has mac and cheese and bacon on his head. And that's what he wants. Um, so, so we get there and I order and they just so happen to not have crayons or any type of... Oh my God. So, so at this point, we don't have like, we're not at the iPad phase. We're not with the different sensory items because we're still learning. He he is a little anxious and stuff. And it was just, it was just a very frustrating night where it just could have been alleviated by them. And, and the kicker is, when the manager told me we didn't want to waste the food if you were a no-show, I think his meal cost like $4. Right. So it wasn't like steak and lobster. Let me pay in advance. Like, it's like, <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah, it's like, that's such a, mm, that's not a good look. <laughs> that's not a good right. look. So I had posted about it on Facebook. And like I was just going to leave it at that. Like, I was just, this is like a frustration post. Mm-hmm. And you tagged the IHOP and, and everything. Right. Yeah. And, and, and when I tell you that my Facebook, family came through people wrote ihop corporate like people were blowing up for the facebook page like they went at them and then pathfinders no that's the high word so the regional manager reached out to me and said hey we heard your story we're sorry about what happened we would like to treat you and your family to a meal can you come in and meet with us and we can talk how to make this better in the future i reached out to neil um, pathfinders and and he had, they had like a whole program where they train restaurant employees just to be mindful and accommodating 
to special needs, not just mm-hmm. autism, but dyslexia or Down syndrome. Just just be mindful and accommodating to everybody. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, y'all do that? Like, yeah, if you wanted to come sit in the meeting, we can we can do that too. And so out of that came um, this idea that we do this this night out. And I was going to call it Spectacular Kids Night Out because I didn't want to make it specifically autism. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just be special needs. And I didn't want to use special. I just said spectacular. Yeah. You know, we're all spectacular. And they said everybody would get, I think it was like 50% off their meal for that night. And then they were going to make a donation to Pathfinder, like portion of the proceeds for that night. And and we had like a sign out front. Lori Ray's, she's an officer with the, and Tara Bond, they're both officers with the autism intellectual. I always forget what IDD is stand for because I never used that term, mm-hmm. but it's, they're the task force with the Montgomery County Police, and when they came and and they had like offices and the fire truck and stuff, and it kind of came like a nice little environment for the kids, and it wasn't that big. And the officer raised um, asked me to come over to this table, and and this is the thing that hit home the most with me, and it was this lady. She had she had her daughter, and she had two daughters that she had adopted from China and not important that they're from China, but, um, but they both had Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, I just wanted to meet the person who set up this night because it's the first time that I've ever taken my whole family out to eat. And it's the first time that I felt the courage that I could do so without having to worry about what people may think or do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to take my family out to eat and like that, that hit home. Right. Like, cause I wasn't looking at it. Like, this was like, I'm punishing you. I hop like, right. <laughs> like that's kind of how it was. But that made me want to do this more. And, and it kind of got too big for IHOP. We went to CC's Pizza, and now we have balloon artists. We got yo, that is hilarious. Got, <laughs> got too big for IHOP. Went to CC's. It's hilarious. <laughs> yo, that is funny. Oh man. Oh, well, I mean, if you think about it, like with CC's, you got it's you know, the buffet style pizza. It was it was uh, the way it was set up, which is. More, more, more free conducive. flowing, more free flowing right. than like waitresses and waiters bringing food out and stuff like that. Right, yeah. right, right. And and the, the way everything was set up, the kids could go out and see the fire truck outside in the parking lot. It was just, it was just so cool, like to just have it blow up. And you know, the Montgomery County Police started doing the holiday giveaway at the same time with the spectacular kids night out. So some of the kids were leaving with presents and stuff. And several of my Facebook friends, they they usually always came by support. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was it, it, it's amazing. And we did stop during um pandemic, so I think we did it like five years. And then um, I've been talking about trying to get it back up but i've just been so busy with soccer and everything uh, but but that is something i do want to get back because i just saw how many i want to say we had about 150 wow. people the last time we did it that was so, pre-covid yeah pre-covid wow yeah that's that, that's a so, pretty big deal yeah it is a pretty big deal like to to be able to provide that safe space for families because it is a challenge like it, there's no no other way of, of really framing that. And it's a challenge for, for so many different potential reasons, whether that just be internal challenges that you deal with as a parent, and then the nature of just right. challenges of the, the, the actual physical environments that you're in and what it takes right. to manage in those environments versus what you know, other parents may have to experience. So it, it, it is definitely something that, yeah, like if you're not doing that now, 
do you th- like are you still in connected connected with that community would it would it be simple enough to start it back up or what what would that take it would be i would just have to well one tc didn't make it through covid <laughs> like <laughs> yeah so they, they shut down so now it's and I had developed a good relationship with that manager there. And mm. He was like, you know, whatever you need, you know, we, we got it. I would just have to start over with a new restaurant and just you know, start talking to the manager and say, hey, this is what I would like to do. There's something we can do here. I want to have balloon artists, a puppeteer, you know, different things. It just, as opposed to me just saying, hey, remember what we did last year? You ready? Right. Got to do it again. I just got to kind of start from scratch. So. so is it fair to say, you know, because a lot of, you know, there may be parents listening their kids may have special needs. They may have reservations, hesitations, things that they're processing. Is it fair to say that for at least your experience, seeking more interactions with others in the community was was something that really helped or it does help you move through um, that, that processing that you deal with internally? Would you say that yeah. that's something that you would recommend that others seek out in their local communities? I would. It is hard. I know it's hard as black men to say I need help. Mm. That is hard. And to get past that and, and accept the help, that right there can just open so many avenues for you. And I think that is a tough bridge that we have not been able to just willingly cross. So just being able to acknowledge that you need help and it help. Because one thing with autism, like early intervention is really a big key. Mm. Like to, as, as soon as you find out you got to, you know, jump on and get as much therapy as you can, occupational speech. As much as you can get early on, it can help you later on. And and that time that you're, I hate to use the word, but time you're being stubborn or reserved. In denial. You're wasting that. It's, 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 it's hurting the child more. And, and I understand it's tough. So I'm not saying that I'm not trying to be inhuman about it because it took me a while. Mm. And but so I thought I, I get it. I mean, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to even open up. Yeah. And getting past the open up phase and then saying, hey, I need help. That's that's two steps that we have trouble doing. That's one thing I could do. The community helps you from an aspect of, OK, you're somebody else that's going through the same thing that I'm going through. And it could be something as simple as me and you going out to the bar and getting a drink and just chopping it up. And we may not even talk about our kids on that, that first or maybe first couple of conversations. But it's that escape, that avenue that I have that I know you're going through something. I'm going through something, too. But right now, we 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 out here. And then later on, maybe the conversations can, can flow. Because I know me and EJ, we've talked several times. And sometimes it just be just listening and just being like, I get it, man. Mm-hmm. I get it. Sometimes that's all you need. The stuff in the community, and it's, it's so many different avenues through, like, the school system, through, like, different programs that the doctor's office may know about or the hospital. There's just so many ways that you can get help or even get information. Mm-hmm. And, and especially, like, online and stuff, too. And even going to, like, the autism walk that I do in um, September at the um, Baltimore Zoo, they have, a like, a career info fair um, after the walk is over where, you know, all these different vendors that provide services. And it's services that you wouldn't even think of, like music therapy and stuff. There's certain things trigger a different response or a different breakthrough in your child mm-hmm. that may not go through traditional speech therapy or traditional occupational therapy. And sometimes it's just that whole trying different things out, seeing which one, and, and one of them just going to click. And you're like, oh, okay. Plastic therapy. Mm-hmm. I just made that up. So, But, you know, that would be just... <laughs> 
you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's. It's, it's, I think it is like you know. That's why I, I again, I do appreciate you being willing to have this open sort of discussion because I think too often in the community we we find shame when these things take place, and there's this this we tend to say like let's keep this in house and not tell anybody right like we right. we 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 keep it a secret we protect it and in reality you don't have to do that you 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 can you can be honest you can be open and there are others out there who who share these experiences that everybody can benefit from each other and and you you mentioned this organization pathfinders is that just local to your area or are they like nationally? It's local to, uh, it's, so it's not like Autism Speak. That's more of a national or maybe even international. From my experience with the headquarters being here in D.C., I have just not felt the presence of them, of Autism Speak mm. um, in terms of my community. Uh, Pathfinders is based in Baltimore, well, right outside of Baltimore. The, the I guess, founder, B.J. Serhoff, uh, he's a baseball player for the Orioles. And his son, he has an adult son on the spectrum. And so he founded it to help other families um, with needs. But they just pretty much cover everything in Maryland. And there may be you know, different similar organizations in different states. But there's one in North Carolina that my dad had found because um, he was heavy in the research and trying to you know, give us information in the beginning. Some organizations may charge, but Pathfinder, everything they do is, is free. It's where they get donations. And that's mm. you know, why I do fundraisers for them. But everything they do is it's free services, and, and that's been it's been amazing mm -hmm. to, to have that kind of support. Mm. I think that's important for for anyone listening who might have, whether it be kids or family members who who are in the special needs community. There are resources and communities out there for everybody to learn from. One thing I, I would like to ask before we sort of start to close things out is from from your experience i know you're not like an expert uh, as it relates to this from a scientific standpoint but i sort of hint or talked about this earlier on in a podcast about generationally like what growing up in one generation versus the other and when i was elementary middle high school autism was a thing uh, special needs was a thing but the way that looks today in terms of, I would say, the number of kids that identify as special needs or on the spectrum is is significantly more than what I remember it personally growing up. We asked that question about like in terms of the shot for if someone commented, they said they know they mentioned this shot here, MMR. They mentioned these here. I'm not sure what uh, I can't even pronounce that first one. I don't I don't even I'm not I don't even know what per Pertussis? Yeah, you said it. Like, <laughs> what? Well, my question is, is that just from your point of view, like, one, would you agree that that there's been a significant increase in this in children being diagnosed with things like autism? And in, in your just opinion, like, do you think you have an idea as to why it's more prevalent today than it was in the past? Because of the spectrum being so big, I would. Is one of those things where it could have been a lot more prevalent or prevalent back when we were growing up. It's just people weren't getting tested or they weren't getting diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So, so to answer your specific question, yes, I do think that it is more diagnosed today than it was back then. I do think, without any scientific you know, piece to it, 
that yes, there are more instances of it. I will not discount that. I think part of it is also just that more people are actually seeking the diagnosis and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it could be like it was always profiling or like could we say it's more prevalent now or is that we just have more social media and more cameras that we we see it everywhere now. Or it might have just been he he said, she said, like, like yeah, they were profiling me at the store. Like, oh, okay, whatever. But mm-hmm. no, I got it on video. Like, that, that's the thing. Now, everything is on video. It's hard to pinpoint how much it has changed, but it does feel like I know a lot of people who have children kind of, I guess, special needs community, mm-hmm. especially in the autism spectrum. They say, I, I don't know how true this number is, but I did see a number that it got down to like one in 16 males are born on the spectrum. Mm. Oh, are are on the spectrum, mm-hmm. and and that's that's a high number. That's a very high number. Knowing the amount of friends that I've gone like to Hampton with, and I know them in the adult life, that number fits. It's kind of crazy. Like when you look at it, whereas growing up, I I want to say the special needs class at my high school probably had eight people. Right, and that would cover the total the school. school. Like it wasn't like right, right. So it wasn't like eight freshmen, eight sophomores. It was like eight. Right. And and now you, you have old classes for each grade level. Mm-hmm. Like in Torrance class, I had like 11, 12, I think, in his grade. And they, and they had, let's say, three third grade classes, I think. Oh, wow. That were at the autism program. So it's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, what you see is, is a lot more, mm-hmm. a whole lot more. Why? Because I don't really know the cause. I I don't know. A lot of people can point it towards all the hormones we put in our food and all the different stuff, the chemicals we eating. A lot of it could be the the more shots that we're we're getting. I, I don't that one. I, I I really don't know. Yeah. But it, but it, but it's 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 enough where I do feel like the government should be doing more. There should be more assistance where a lot of stuff, like after you get a certain age, you got to fight tooth and nail just to get some type of aid. And, and the therapies are so expensive and most of them don't take you know, your insurance. You got to do private mm. care. And if you're lucky enough to get it during the school, you can get some speech and PT and stuff through the schools. But sometimes you need more right. than that, more than what they, they grant you. And and that's the other thing. You got to fight your, your IEP. You got to be that whole parent. <laughs> you got to, you got to, Fight for your kid, because if you don't, and they say, okay, well, they don't, they don't need anything extra for Torn. Like, no, Torn needs his speech therapy, and I'm gonna hound you till we get what what he needs. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you're a bad person; it's just you're fighting for what your child needs, and, and they won't give it to you if you don't fight. And, and so, a lot of that's just a uh, grouping in a group of people, but like, like for immigrants. Whether they're here you know, legally, illegally, or whatever, but people who have not grown up here, they may have come over here for a better life and they may have a child, especially they don't know what you can get. We may be at a function and they're talking about something. It's like, oh yeah, Torrance takes, you know, he has three hours of speech every week with school and then he gets PT, then he has OT after lunch. And they're like, all they gave us was, you know, 30 minutes of PT and that's it. Yeah. And how do we get that? It's like, you. Yes, you know, you get an IEP scheduled and, and, and tell them that's what you need. It's like, we can do that. So it's this whole, we don't know what our rights are. We don't know what we can get. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big hurdle to get over, to to know that you, you just got to get out there and demand the stuff for your kids. And the IEP, when I grew up, the IEP stood for, oh, that child has behavior problems or, or that's a bad kid. Like, you don't want to be on an IEP. Right. Like, like that's how it was. But now... IEP is how you hold schools accountable for what needs or services your child may get. And they 
they don't adhere to that can take them to service on that. And mm-hmm. then that can end up being whether you go to court and, and then that could get your child, you know, private placement stuff because the school is not providing services for what your child needs to survive or make it through school. And some people just say, oh, well, they said I can't get it, and that's it. Mm. And, and, I, and I get it. If you don't know that if you fight for it, you can get it, then that's, that's the angle you take. And, and I try a household with two parents, like you have one person who may, and I'm not saying it's you do this and I do this, but one person may be more involved in a certain aspect of the school or like the IEP, I guess the plan itself, or, or maybe like the OT. Like I think at one point I was usually taking Tori to PT and Toya usually do speech. It's not that, no, I don't do PT. It's just, just how our schedule worked out. She would be more in tune with certain things like mm. within his IEP that I would be like, man, I ain't think about that. I was like, we can get that. I got us, you know, 15 more hours. I'm like, dang, that's all, all you had to do. Okay, okay. But it's it's just knowing that stuff and, and, and getting out and doing it. And, and people got to know you got to be that bad parent that, that they don't want to hear from. Right. Because that, that's the one that gets stuff done. Right. And, and, and if you're nice... And or not even nice, but just ignorant of that fact of what's out there. It it can you can miss out on a lot of stuff. And I'm not using ignorant to say people are dumb. It just you just don't know about it. And the information isn't just easily accessible. It's not just right. like oh yeah, here when you school here's all the re- great stuff we can do for you. Make sure you hold right. us to task on it. Like schools right. aren't yeah. doing that when you walk it's, in. It's not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this stuff we didn't even know. Like, there's different levels of autism programs. Like, there's the autism, one is just called the autism program, and there's uh, the CAP program, and there's a, a PIP program. And it, depending on how many services you think, like one-to-one teacher mm. aid help, or if you think you can be in more group setting, and then there's community-based programming where they try to get you out, excuse me, like going to Target, making a simple grocery run, or ordering food at McDonald's. Like, they try to get you out. So there's different programs that you don't know about. Right. And 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 I, I for one, can't even say, if a new parent came to me, say, Ryan, what, what do I need to know? I was like, man, there's so much, a lot that I don't even know, but like, definitely want to get the IEP. Like, that's where it all starts, and that's how you get the breakdown. And, mm. and I know... Is that something you get independently, like, through a private doctor, or do you need to go through the... Like, if you're... If, how do you go about getting that proactively for your child if you're a parent? The IEP? Yeah. Um, so the IEP is through the school. Okay. Um, so you, any parent can request the IEP meeting. But I think once you're on a any type of assistance-based program, I think that may be wrong. And somebody, I think there's some people that work in this who says, I think there's even somebody that helped us out on IEP in one of the comments. You initially have to start out with an IEP to set like a baseline mm. for what the expectations are. Like these are our goals for this semester or this year. And by first quarter, we want Torin to be able to walk flat-footed so many steps or something like that. And, and that's how you lock it down. And then on the basis of talking to that or educational advocates, which would be private, uh, you can learn more and more other speech therapies and like how much the schools can get you. But at those meetings, you talk about it with the program 
director and everything on like with the max number of hours they can give how much funding they have for different programs um and they still don't tell you everything but you still like like if you heard like hey i heard y'all do speech on music therapy now, how does that work and then then they you know they tell you uh, so it's definitely a lot of it is pulling teeth to get uh, which makes it harder and it, it's easier for people who have money uh, because they can go you know, hire an educational advocate or a lawyer that may cost a lot of money. And they this is all they do. They work with kids, getting them private school placement on at the get behest of the school, not doing what they should be doing for your child. Mm-hmm. And, and like, well, hey, we can prove that this school is not doing this much. Then, OK, they'll put you in this other program. And then if that doesn't work, then they'll put you in this other program. And then they say, OK, we've ex- we've exhausted all of our options. We'll put you in private placement. Mm. And, and like, there's some schools here where like each child may have a one to one teacher. They have like iPads dedicated to their profile and what they like. Like if if you need like outside breaks every 45 minutes, like your one to one person will know, OK, you know, he needs a sensory break or he needs squeezes. He needs pressure. It's everything is tailored to that person. And, and when I first walked in there, I was like, man, this is amazing. But it was like 79K a year. Ooh, and and <laughs> good gracious. From a wealth standpoint, it does create a barrier because there's no way we could afford to send that. But if you can go through the school system and prove that they can't provide what your child needs, then they pay for them to go there but mm-hmm. the other side is schools like this have four or five year wait list right so it's it's, it's tough yeah it's tough wow. and i do employ like some parents some fathers uh have reached out to me they may have a child just newly diagnosed on the spectrum and, and i say i'm here for whatever i'm not going to pressure you or anything but i'm here you got i leave my number on facebook dm or whatever and and I hate to say a lot of the time I never hear from them again, like they'll reach out with nothing. And and hopefully, you know, they've gotten you know, whatever they needed you know, elsewhere. But you know, sometimes I do worry that, that they may just be in denial for too long. They may be hindering the child some. And, and that's that's tough because you don't want to butt in and, and be like pushy because at the end of the day, it's still their child. Right. And, and you don't want pushback to be worse. And, and and that's that's a tough line. Yeah, people got to move at their own pace. They got to move at their own pace at the end of the day. Right. So, so let me ask this before we get out of here, because I'm not going to ask how do you do it, <laughs> but you have two children that require a ton of attention. You got one who is, we're going to go ahead and call it first Olympian in the family. Right. We're going we, <laughs> we gonna, to we gonna go ahead and speak that out there. First Olympian in the family. Right. But you got a you got a, 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 a amazing athlete of a of a daughter who is had one of a amateur. Is that what they call it these days? Amateur career when you're at that level or what, what do we call that when you're in a, at that pre-college yeah, level? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, amateur. And just literally like kicking it, just doing her thing and going to go on to, to, to earn her way through college, giving her gifts and the investment that's put in there. So, that, so the, 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 the dedication as parents to commit to a D1 athlete who is playing year-round, seems like, soccer across the country. Like, you're going all kind of places while also having 
a son who is autistic that does require more attention like you you I'm not going to ask how you balance the 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 two my question is what are the keys between you and Toya to help ensure that given the amount of attention that each requires that you're able to to provide that as parents I'm just curious like what's the secret to y'all's dynamic so that you're able to do that as best you can for both kids right well thank you for the compliment it's I don't know if there is a secret. I mean, it's... No sleep, no rest. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, but they do require a lot a lot of attention. And like you said, you know, Narayan just got back from San Diego two, three, three weeks ago for playing soccer. So, so Toya went with, on that trip while I stayed home with Toya. So, so that part of the dynamic... I can't say it sucks because you want everybody to be able to go on these trips. Right. And so right now we're just not at a stage where Torin can travel on the plane. Last year I went to Seattle with her while Toya stayed home. This year she went with Tom and Ryan. And so we kind of do that balancing thing where like we'll split up the game. The ones where Torin can go, we'll all go. And just it's it's more difficult sometimes where she has, Noraya has to be at a game like an hour early. And she plays on a team in Virginia, which is an hour away from us. We can't just both ride together to, to drop her, the whole family, ride together to take her early. Because it's not like go down the street five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And then, then I, all right, I'll come back and get y'all. Y'all be ready. It's literally one person driving an hour. The other two are coming in an hour later, closer to the game time. So that part is kind of frustrating. Like, man, we just had to drive both cars, you know. Right. Two hours each today, and we're at the same place. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> following each other home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, just discovering that that balance that too is still a work in progress. I mean, it's, she gonna be gone it's, soon, it's, player. She gonna be gone soon. <laughs> she gonna be gone soon, player. Man, shout out to y'all, man. Y'all go put it through school for free, baby. <laughs> That's what it's about, man. Y'all put that work in, man. You go get you you you're going to reap what you sown here short enough, man. I'm telling you. You mentioned no sleep. It's definitely like people ask me, you know, when I sleep and I joke, I say, I don't know, let me Google it cuz I have no idea what <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I honestly I average you know, 3 a.m. every night. Mm. And it's because of a lot of it is you do so much like you work and then in the evening you're like you're doing so much for touring or you have soccer practice. You got all these different things you're doing. And you don't have any time for yourself to just sit back and just relax. And a lot of people, I don't know how many people are still listening, but this is one thing I haven't really shared that much. But nightly putting Torin to sleep. Well, the background is neither one of our kids were never good sleepers. So neither one of them slept at daycare. Like they were no calling like, like, like they not taking nap. But like I ain't got nothing for you. <laughs> like, <you> like, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the nighttime was the same. Like Naraya would stay up, and you know, with her being a straight A student in school, it was never okay. Well, I guess she does need. I guess she doesn't need to have you know the quote unquote eight to ten hours of sleep. She's she's doing fine. And and Torin was always we could start his his process at ten o'clock and he might not be sleep till one thirty, two o'clock. 
Mm-hmm. And and you never want to leave him because you don't know what he would do. You don't know if he would be biting himself the whole time or if he would get out and come downstairs. Because sometimes where you think he's sleeping and he'd come downstairs. So it's you try different methods. Like this week, leaving the light on, like I'm in this room right now, but leaving the light on this bright might be the way that he goes to sleep. Mm. And then the next time I like had a TV on mute or I play ocean sounds on the, the electric. We got a um, little... LED track lights that go around the edge of the room. Sometimes I put that on like a low red and have it kind of fade off and on. Sometimes that works. Never a set cycle that I can do. All right, it's bedtime. What am I going to do tonight? Is it going to be one hour? Is it going to be four hours? Like, how long is it going to be before you go to sleep? The uh, one thing, so like, I know people had suggested, this is what I love about when you post stuff up on Facebook and everybody, you know, well, try this, you know, try CBD or try all this stuff. And, <laughs> I, and I tried some of those stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I tried all these things and and it's never a thing where like, no, I'm too good to try what people suggest. Um, we do try a lot of things. with the melatonin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So melatonin used to be my go-to. Until I think about six months, Torn would laugh like the Joker. Yeah. When I say like the Joker, he would just <laughs> like I would be laying because I always like lay in the bed beside him. And one time he just sat up and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and he just like cackling. I'm looking at him like what? And he just like he just popped up, and I'm like, well, what's so funny? Like, like, like I want to laugh. Too. Like tails from the crib, yeah, little joy that pop up and start laughing. <laughs> Yo, like, hold up, man. Like, so the melatonin had him feeling crazy. It, it, it had a, a opposite effect on him. I mean, it got him just super loopy and giggly, and he would just laugh like about an hour nonstop. Like it was, it was cute. When he first, because he was laughing, like, okay, buddy, what's so funny? And then 45 minutes later, no he's like, <laughs> like, like uh, oh my goodness. And it, and it took us about maybe three nights to really figure out that it was melatonin that was doing that to him. And, and once we stopped that, he, he, he didn't do that anymore. But that was hard. Then you get to the point, it's now two o'clock. You have not woosaw at all. Like, so what do you do? Is, is this your life? Or... <laughs> Or do you do you try to get something in? So now I'm at two o'clock. I'm watching or whatever show out in DVR or you know whatever on Netflix. So now it's like three o'clock. I'm like, All right, I guess I go to bed. Cause I did. I got me an hour in of Ryan time. Yeah. And that part has gone away a little bit while soccer because I've been doing her highlight reels. So so I'm staying up you know, two, three, four o'clock. Producing. Yeah. Do you still do that though? Even though now she's like committed to 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 a school like are you still cutting up tape or uh, i have not uh i just finished the one for her san diego trip to national playoffs i did one because it was just three games so i just did that one excuse me but i have not done the one for her ecns or club team so she plays club and high school but mm-hmm. a club team i have not done the season highlight reel yet i'm debating on if i because you literally got to watch 90 80 minutes of game footage and looking to see what she does is that worth putting on a reel. We we still want to capture this stuff because for one, you even though you committed, you still want the school to know right? you're still progressing. She's, it wasn't one of those things where I just got the bag like Dak Prescott and <laughs> I got the money and now I'm just going to oh, just just be here. Um, <laughs> like we, we want to know she's still, because she, one, she, she skipped a grade, so she's younger. 
Oh, in yeah, graduating very class. true. Yeah. So we want to show her that she's still physically strong. She's been lifting weights, um, so you know, doing the training. She's younger and still bigger than everybody. Like, yo, <laughs> monster, monster. <laughs> younger, more athletic, stronger, fast, like monster. That is crazy. And then that's what we want to you know, show her and make sure that the schools is still saying that we made the right choice getting her. Man, y'all going to all the home games. Are y'all going to admit, like, is that is that the plan? Y'all going to try to go to all the home games? Uh, We're going to try to go to the away game. There's the, the girls, Malia. Oh, my goodness. I can't remember the name. The, the Morris girls from Clemson. One of them just got drafted. But they're from Germantown. Oh. And um, so I, we had met the dad one time before we went to the Clemson ID camp. And he was just telling us, like, his experience with them. He goes to every single game. And when I say he goes, he drives from Maryland down to Clemson, watches the game, takes the girls out to dinner, and drives back home. Wow. And and I'm looking at him like, what? And, <laughs> and he said he uh, like his wife will go sometimes and sometimes she won't. But I don't know if this is true. This is what he told me. But he said... Like one time, you know, the girls had a game. I was like, baby, you, you going? And, and she hesitates. She's like, oh, well, let me. I'm gone. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and he, he just drove down. I'm like, you would do that drive and come back? Like, same, same oh, so day. same day. Not even like, oh, same wow. Day. He'd take him out to eat and come back. Oh, no. And, and he said he did that one time with a day in between. Like, say, like, the game was on a Friday, and then the Sunday they had a game in Notre Dame. He said he would drive down, drive back up, and then drive to Notre Dame. No way. Like, wow. So so I don't think we're definitely not solo. I would not be <laughs> be doing that. But um, they're in the Patriot League, so they have some games in New York and Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. Cold weather soccer. We, we're going to try. We're going to see how the freshman year goes. We're going to... We go. She has not had a game that we haven't been to, that one of us hasn't been to yet. Like her entire sort of amateur career, somebody's been yeah. at least at one game. Y'all gonna try and keep that going through school? We're gonna definitely try. Oh, that's dope. I mean, that's dope. We're gonna try to be like Lavar Ball, but without <laughs> all the the attitude. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit of attitude, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. enough to get her going. Yeah, like, but we definitely wanna um, support because that, that's all you see. Like you know, the football game, they'll show. Like, oh, this is, you know, so-and-so's parent looking at them, cheering them on and stuff. Uh, I know the writer doesn't want us to be noticeable that much that the TV camera will highlight us. You put in all this work for a reason. So, you know, once she's there, it's your time to shine, my brother. It's like, <laughs> it's like, no, right, I know you out there on the field, but this is my time now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get my NIL agreement. <laughs> yo, yo, now that, 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 that is a, a interesting thing to explore here in the, in the near future, especially with a sport like, like soccer, the potential for her to monetize what she does off of her name is, is, is a very interesting thing. For for young athletes entering the market, like has that already been something to, to discuss in the household? Does she think about nil? Like I'm just curious, is that something that is even a topic um, of discussion? We so she's not extrovert like I am. I would love for that to be the case because I think she has this wonderful brand that she could utilize. Um, but I think she's right now. She just wants to play, and she's not focusing. On, or doing whatever she needs to to build up the brand. Like if she had it her way, she would not be on Instagram. Oh and wow! Not have, and not have her soccer profile out there. So that was kind of one of those things that we, as parents, said, "Baby, you you got to like 
That's crazy, right? Your parents yeah. are saying you got to have a social media. <laughs> like, that is nuts. I mean, we're, like, thankful. But, like, for this instance, you, you need it. It kind of, like, it was some tense, heated argument, though, between us. And I just had to put it down, like, okay, one, you, you skip the grade, so you're graduating with a earlier class, but you're playing with your age group. So the recruiters aren't looking at your team yet. Mm. If you're the only person on your team, that's the class of 24. Mm-hmm. So so it's like your team, even though it's a great team, and the, the 07 team, which is the class of 25, most of the girls are class of 25. They're a really good team. The older girls, um, the team is not like they didn't make it to the playoffs. So the idea of her like playing up, just she was just in that that weird in-between phase on what to do. Mm-hmm. And but we're trying to paint that picture. Like, you got to be better because everybody that's going to these UNC's, Kentucky's, Notre Dame's, whatever, all of them, like, state player of the year, Gatorade, this, all state, all conference. Mm-hmm. Not like you getting some accolades, oh, I'm going to be one of them. Well, that's that's all of them. Right. And, and a lot of them having you know, 36 people on the roster and only 22 can suit up. Mm-hmm. Only, I think, 18 can play. And 22 can suit up. And then you got the other 14, 16, however many they have that they're not even playing. And do you want to be one of those out there? Like as a freshman, like, are you going to make that mark to be on a team where everybody is all state, all American and play or go to like, so for her going to American is it's D1, it's a mid D1. Um, is it more likely that she may possibly play freshman year? And she wants to play, but she does want the perks. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, because you do go to some of those big schools, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's goodness. nice. Yeah, I want to go here. <laughs> yeah, know? a lot of money um, at those major schools. Right. So it's it's a lot of I think it's a lot of pressure on her out of her comfort zone because she didn't want to be on social media. And like, if you look now for Yo Gabba Gabba video that I did with her um, Halloween classic. Like it, it has like uh, I forget the last four or something million views. Classic, yo! Oh man, we might have to drop that in the chat here after <laughs> after this because that is a classic video. But back then when we did it, she loved it. But now she hates that. Like she hates that that many people have seen her. And <laughs> and it's, and it's like, but baby, you, you want to play? You say you want to play at a big D one school. Like people are gonna see you. Yeah. And and one. To get there, we got to do this. You got to have something that puts you over everybody else. Everybody doing Twitter, everybody doing Instagram, Facebook, putting their reels out there, tagging coaches. When we go do ID camp, they're saying, thank you, such and such. I had a great time, blah, blah, blah. And it was it was hard. And and I get it. And you want to respect your child's privacy and, and their feelings because she's an introvert, which was weird because back when we knew when she was younger, she was just like me. She, mm. was, she was just like Minnie Ryan, just crazy and silly just want to be with all the adults just have a good time but now she's definitely more reserved and as a parent you want to respect that but don't want her to miss out on what she wants as her goal right to play d1's college and that that's been a tough battle for us i think that is important for parents to push their kids outside of their comfort zone uh because who else is going to really do it right in their best interest so to speak you know people kids will or, or i'll say individuals younger individuals will get pushed outside our comfort zone sometimes by peers and it's not even something we really want to do or it's not even something that's to our benefit but 
Right, the right. peer pressure will push us out of our comfort zone. Right. Uh, whereas from a parental standpoint, you want to like, you, you know, that maybe it's it's not something they're comfortable with, but you know, you're doing it for an end game for a reason. Right. right? So it's like if if your parent doesn't ever push you outside of your comfort zone, then like, you, yeah, you know, so it's like you got to you, you got to be that that bad cop. Similar to how you say are the bad cop to advocate for your kids to other people. Sometimes right, you got to right. be that bad cop for the kids as well to advocate for them just directly because that's just the reality of what it is. I'd be, I'd be like, do y'all highlight real then? I ain't doing this no more. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's like you say that and you, know, you don't mean it, but you're just so frustrated with stuff. And and like she has one clip where she flipped the, the ball over this girl and then faked another girl out and then thread the needle for the goalie that. It was in a game that we needed to win to make it to the playoffs. I think it's one of her best plays. And that reel has, I think, as of today, it was like 19.6 thousand views mm. on Instagram. And so I'm like, that's what you want. <laughs> and she was like, do we have to keep it up? Can we take it down now? Like it did its purpose. Oh, wow. Wow. Baby, baby. <laughs> wow. The humility. Is that where, where did she get that humility from? I don't know. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> and, and I would say, Toya, Toya she, she definitely supports the idea that the mean to the end, like, this is just going to be your soccer account. It's not like a personal Instagram. It's not, you know, Facebook. Right. It's, you know, the I go with soccer. And, and like, this, just think about it. This is your business right. account. So she, she's definitely on the boat with me in terms of, Right, you got to do more than everybody else is doing. Yeah, and and I mean, you just in that that weird and we the idea of her reclassifying and going back to a junior mm. would that get her more looks? Yeah, it would. But we just got to understand that this is the path we chose. We skipped the grade. We stand with it. We we got to do as much as we can with this. And if that means we got to be out there on Instagram, got to be out there on Instagram. So it's it's something. It's Word. something. But I'm gonna have to start one for Torrance since he's playing Miracle League baseball. Um, so, but I'm kind of kind of scared to ask him and then give him the iPad to see because I don't want him to say, "Don't put it up there." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, you didn't tell me, so oh, I, won't, <laughs> I won't put it up there." Does he like Does he like the baseball? Uh, he more really likes uh, running. Okay, um, so just just being out there, just running around. I mean, he doesn't have the motor planning. He can hold the bat, but just to focus and make that swing. He doesn't. He doesn't have that yet. But now soccer, he he can he can dribble two balls. Like he he won't do it if you tell him to. But if you just have two balls out there, he may do a rollover and and, and dribble both balls forward. And we kind of like, oh, okay, he likes soccer. And he, he'll you know type that I like it because Naraya plays and stuff. So so we're trying to find a, a special needs soccer organization. I haven't seen one, so I'm thinking we may just have to create one ourselves and, and try to you know, start it and. I think I'll have more time to do that once, you know, Narayan graduates and then maybe I can put more effort in that. That's something that I think maybe next on my horizon, try to get a special needs soccer going. After you finish going to all these other soccer camps and then you only got to focus on the games, then you can <laughs> refocus on some other soccer leagues. Yeah, no, for real though. But I do appreciate <laughs> you you being on and, and, and being just open and candid about just your experience, not just not just as a parent, but also as as a husband and just as a family man. Uh, before we, we we sort of get out of here, do you have any? So this this is my longest podcast too. I don't, I've not done a podcast this long. We did take a small break, but this is definitely the longest. 
joint. Shout out to everybody listening. If you are listening, please go ahead and subscribe on YouTube for more. If you got more, or if not, say if you got more. For the people listening, my what I would would like to ask is if there's anything that you hope <clears throat> listeners can take away from just hearing you talk about your experience as a husband and a father, what are one or two takeaways that you hope listeners are able to walk away with after listening to this conversation? The first uh, one would be any type of diagnosis that like with special needs or whatever, it's rough, but it's not a death sentence. And, and I say that with respect to some medical diagnosis could be a death sentence, like like a terminal cancer or something. So I'm not trying to I would show like lack of compassion for something like that. But I'm like with being autistic or dyslexia or, you know, a number of things. It's, it's a growing pain. There are ways that you can get through it with resources and help and you will never be alone. There'll definitely be other people you have to be willing to accept that help mm. and willing to ask that help. So, um, so it's OK to have that mourning period and that woe with me. Because we're human and we, we got to you know, express it. But for the sake of the children, the sooner you're able to, to deal with that um, internally or with your spouse. And and big ups to, you know, the single family, single parents, special needs families. I honestly do not see how they do it. I, mm. I, I, I don't. Because some of the stuff, like I worry that the Torrance is so big and strong. Like the times I'm not here, if I'm at work or if I'm traveling and she's here, like will he overpower her or whatever because sometimes he overpowers me and it needs two of us and you see sean <laughs> you know you know he's 697 telling how tall the torn gonna be and, is, he, um, is he starting to spike in height like I, he is half an inch shorter than the ryan already okay wow yeah so they're about so he's about five six so he's 12 years old about five six okay so he's yeah, it's, <laughs> so so I have much respect for the single need, single parent families that, that that go through this. So two, I would say the so one was not a death sentence. Be willing to seek help. There's no shame in sharing your story because you do not know how you feel or not know what you're going through unless you share. They do not know. They do not have the opportunity to say, "Oh, I didn't realize you, you dealt with things like this," or "I didn't realize that autism could affect another family in this light." Or, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't know that these are certain things that they were sensitive to, loud noises, certain colors, textures. Now I can be more mindful when I'm working with them because they could say, hey, I know somebody. And now that you said that, they have the same exact symptoms or reaction to these things. So now I can be more mindful of not being like, clap, like if I clap, like we're just now learning that with Torin, like clap sounds, he don't like it when you do that. I don't know if it's the sound, but, but he'll, you know, hold your hand and stuff. And if you keep doing it, like you're watching the game, I'm like, yeah, yeah, or something. And not and he, you know if you celebrate and stand up and he's just tapping you, and you're just oblivious because the play just happened, you could be hurting his ears longer mm. and you just get louder. But now I'm more mindful of it, and those are the certain things that I'm, by sharing your story, your experiences, other people learn. So it's, it's not just therapeutic for yourself; it's therapeutic for for other people too. And I know autism, well, a lot of special needs diagnosis uh, you hear a lot of divorces rise you know, with special needs so, so that's that's tough that's tough uh, that i don't have an answer just that i'm just acknowledging the fact i do see it's hard i mean marriage is hard enough as it is but they had a uh, had children and then special needs children it's 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 definitely takes you to the end of the stretch mm-hmm. one person 
that I can definitely speak on. The key that she has a, a um, blog walk one day in her shoes. She has a daughter on the spectrum and she highly advocates self-care. And I can definitely say I agree with that. I'm trying to get Toya to do more self-care. But and that's one thing that I've done, even though it was at three o'clock in the morning, because that's, <laughs> that's the only time I, I get it in. But you, you definitely got to make a time yourself, because if you burn out, you're not going to be able to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And and even though I may be sacrificing sleep, but at least I've had my downtime that I can watch or whatever. Even if it's just thirty minutes of wilding out, I'm I'm watching something. I'm doing something right for myself. And I think I think that's that's definitely important because you will burn out. Word, yeah, man. I I again, I really appreciate you joining. I've I've said it, but I say it again for the record, man. Like growing up, I got a few older cousins that I look up to on both sides of the family that I just always sort of looked up to as like older, cool cousins. Just from me to you, you've been just a great role model, just period. From younger, I'm not going to ask you to do a magic trick right now. <laughs> <laughs> just out of the blue, like, yo, throw some magic on the screen real quick. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to do no magic tricks, but like, you know... <laughs> Like, just even, like, this might be my first time even seeing you take a sip of alcohol, for example. I'm not saying that makes it good or bad, but just the way that you've always presented yourself to me, giving me something to look at from from afar, to, to just visualize and learn from what you do from afar. I've always appreciated both you and Sean as older cousins, and, sure. I, and I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to frankly, I asked some questions that I don't think I've ever really had a, had a chance to ask before. So being able to have this conversation openly is, is refreshing for myself, but do want to share with you that, that I do value and cherish the, the dynamic that we've had through the years. Oh, me too, man. You always be nugget. <laughs> hey, man, don't bleep that out, man. You can't be giving <laughs> you can't be giving people my nickname, man. What is you doing, man? No, man. But it is what it is. Yeah, you are one of the people who I never blink an eye at when I hear the word nugget. It just is what it is. I'm about to get into the outro music. Any any last things you want to say to the audience before I get us out of here? I don't know. Hampton the real HU. I've always said. <laughs> You stay repping. <laughs> and yeah, I definitely always represent Durham. I wear Durham Bulls hat all the time. Hey, man, um, you ain't seen this one. Surveys this day, Durham. Hey, man, I got this. All this is Durham Bulls merch, too, man. We out here shining. This is the G podcast where we focus on family, friends, finances, freedom, and our future, and f- everything else. This is the G podcast. Greatly appreciate y'all listening. Ryan for joining. I'm not taking no talk back. Make sure you subscribe. Thank you.